the garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Mid-South Gardening. Glad to be here with y'all this morning. I'm Veda with Palladio. And I'm Kenneth Mabry. I made it back after three weeks, Miss Veda. And Mr. Jim, good to see y'all. Howdy, howdy, y'all. Like when I came in, I said Happy New Year and Merry Christmas, and sorry I missed y'all last weekend. Uh, Here we are all together. Glad you're feeling better. Yeah, thank you, sir. A little under the weather last weekend, but hey, (laughs) made it through it. Just a little under the weather. Yeah. Well, we're going to be under snow, maybe. Again? Yeah, yeah. I wonder. It's not going to last days. The streets are still warm. Well, but it's just that... 48 hours that people go crazy mm-hmm. in, you know, trying to get from point A to point B. You know, we sewed more sleds and discs yesterday than we did anything. Oh. <laughs> and people, you know, uh, I guess, you know, last year we sold out. You know, mm-hmm. if there's a threat of snow, we sold every sled we had. Yeah. Well, then here come the little families with their kiddos, and you're like, man, I wish I had another sled right, for you. Right. Well, it, it seems like everybody that came in yesterday, they remembered last year. They're like, we're not waiting for the last minute to get this sled, you know, because it's the kids. It's not yeah. them, you know. Well, yeah, right. sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it was funny. So, um, yeah, a little snow, a um, little precipitation coming in tonight. So it'd be a lot of fun. Well, it's a good setup for not messing up any of our plants. Yeah, we're going to get a good rain prior to it. And then uh, it's going to snow. And it, it's, you know, snow's not going to hurt anything. It's only going to get down into the... Maybe mid twenties mm-hmm. through yeah. the whole thing. So, so there's really nothing we should, yeah, no. you know, worry to try about. to cover and try to protect. I nah. mean, because had a call yesterday. Um, you know, people are still talking about what happened to their gardenias last mm-hmm. year. Yeah, and she was like, "Okay, what do I do?" And I said, "Exactly what I said. Nothing. You yeah. know, um, as long as you got a little mulch around the root system there, I mean, it's the best thing you can do." Yeah, uh, you know, my my advice. I had a lady ask the very same question on on the on the Facebook group. And I said, you know, if it starts, looks like it's going to get below 20, yeah. then take a stake, drive it next to the trunk, let it stick up about six inches above the plant, just drape a sheet over it, lay the edges down, and you're good to go. Yeah, and that's just keeping the... Keeps the wind off of it. That cold wind from drying right. out that foliage, right? right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and like you said, I mean, last year we got lucky also, mm-hmm. you know, with that cold, cold week of weather we had yeah. because we had moisture in the soil. And good snowpack Exactly, cover. you know, right. so. So today you don't have to be too worried about going out and covering and covering no. and putting light bulbs under sheets and all of that. So no. y'all just relax and maybe do some other kind of yard work. Well, no, it's going to be raining, yeah. so you really can't just do any of that. repeat after me. I don't need bread and milk. Yeah, I don't, I don't need, need bread, bread and milk. Because Jim's <laughs> going to go straight to the grocery store when he leaves here. Well, I did something that I typically tell people not to do. Oh, yeah. Oh, my you know God. how we always do that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had some, I was, I was in my kitchen when I was not feeling good, and the blinds were up, and I was just looking at my backyard, and I was seeing these, just these dinner-sized plate green splotches <laughs> oh, of chickweed no. out there. Oh, okay. I mean, there are probably like 20 different splotches. So and you harvested them for your salad. I did not. <laughs> but I was thinking, okay, that's my fault because I didn't put my pre-emergent down last fall. Okay? Oh, okay. So I got the chickweed out there, and I said, all right, I got to do something. You know, I just can't, it just, I can't stand it. Makes a pretty good salsa. No, Jim, I don't care. <laughs> so, and, but everything else is dormant. You know, the Bermuda's dormant, but there's those, those green patches out there. So I'm like, 
Okay. You know, if it's above 45 degrees, a lot of, uh, I shouldn't say a lot, but some of the broadleaf weed killers will work, mm-hmm. right? So I go out there and look at, you know, my garage on the little shelves there. And, of course, there's no broadleaf weed killer to be found. But I did find, like, some 10-year-old Roundup. Mm. Something. Okay. So I get the Roundup, and I uh, mix it up, put it in a pump sprayer, go out there, and I selectively spray every little green splotch or sprig of chickweed that I've got back there. Well, good. And the whole time I'm doing it, though, Jim, I'm thinking, <laughs> look, I've, I've, I've heard nightmare stories mm-hmm. about this, you right, know, right. because, you know, people go out there and technically Roundup is not supposed to hurt dormant Bermuda or dormant zoysia. Then it doesn't go dormant here. Yeah, mm-hmm. My point, okay? But you're going to still try. Oh, yeah. gosh, yeah. But I was really careful, y'all. I mean, I put it on a fine spray. I didn't soak it. You know, mm-hmm. I just a nice... You're going to have brown spots bigger than uh, Jim, I, I don't I don't think you I are. Am. <laughs> so, you know, so a lot of times people... My Bermuda has been greening back up the last oh, week. No. Thank yeah. you, Jim. That's not what I wanted to hear. Yeah. My zoysia is still green. So I did. Well, I went out there and um, spot treated y'all. And, you know, we hear the stories. People do mm-hmm. that and they think they're... Just because their Bermuda is brown, they think it's completely dormant. Well, it's on the dormant side, but that doesn't mean it's completely dormant. So yeah, in the spring, a, when everything starts to green up... You've got all these big spots yeah. out there where you sprayed that Roundup. So yeah, inside that sheath, there's green tissue, and that's got important. It's got carbohydrates needed to kick that bud off great. in the spring. <laughs> and uh, of course, uh, Kenneth knows that. Yeah. He's gonna because well, I uh-huh. do the same. Well, you know what the difference from an experienced gardener and a new gardener is. The experienced gardener has made more mistakes. Yes, <laughs> and most of them twice. Yeah, right. and, and like I said, I would have used something like Weed Beater Ultra or Weed Free Zone. Those two products, if it's above 45 mm-hmm. degrees, it will kill your broadleaf weeds, and you're not going to hurt your established you grass. You have any image either? I didn't have anything like that, Jim. Oh, I, like I said, goodness. I found some 10-year-old Roundup, and there's no telling what it turned into I by know, the time I, I used it. I was going to say, well, let's see. Now, we're not sure what it, like you said, what it turned into, so it's either... Not going to kill the green or kill your oh, whole no. lawn. No, no, it's, it, that stuff's <laughs> it's already, already working. Dying. Yeah. yeah. So, no, what, what, what is the deal about waiting so long? Do they lose the, the fusion of the chemicals or? Well, and you this know, has like been in a hot years, garage. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the chemicals could have separated. I mean, who right. knows? But if, if, they're, if they're concentrates, they're fine. You know, okay. they're not going to freeze, and they're yeah. and they're fine. It's when you have ready to use stuff that you want to be concerned because oh. it's absorbed into the plastic, and so mm-hmm. you end up with a whole lot less active ingredient. Gotcha. So really, two two and a half years yeah. is mm-hmm. about all you ought to keep ready to use stuff. But if it's concentrate, should be good from now on. Well, Man, that's unless good to it's hear. something like liquid set. Seven that will settle out and just harden like a rock yeah. in the bottom. Yeah. You can obviously tell not to use that then. Yeah, because, uh, yeah, you know, like for year long time ago, it was, now take your um, chemicals and don't let them get too warm. Don't let them get hot. And if you haven't used them within a year, dispose of them. So now it's just advancing more yeah. with the technology that it's we It's an important thing, to. you know, when you buy a chemical, date it when you buy it so mm-hmm. that you know... You know, just put it on the label so you know from, you know, when you go to pull it out and it's 10 years old, you go, ooh, maybe I ought to get fresh. Yeah, <laughs> or maybe I ought to go spray it on my yard. Yeah. When <laughs> it it, it just kind of reminds me of when I first moved in this house 20-something years ago. And, of course, I would buy, you know, my wife, the first thing she wanted was everything painted on the inside of the house, right? Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know, you always have extra paint left over. 
So I would take the paint. And I'm thinking, okay, a good place to store this will be just the attic. You know, it's out mm-hmm. of the way. It's not going to hurt anybody. No one's going to trip over it. So it's really the worst place in the world to to store it. I mean, mm-hmm. you really you don't want it really really hot, yeah. but then at the same time you don't want it freezing. So <laughs> you know the same thing with these insecticides. But so the garage is where they go. You know, right? right not so. the attic. But, hey, like I said. <laughs> See, so, that's what we have Kenneth for. <laughs> but, like I said, y'all, and, and I really wasn't even sure this would work in the cool temperatures, even though it's been pretty mild the last three uh-huh. or four days. Yeah. So It's actively growing. So oh, it Jim, work. and it's it's already working. I got wow. home yesterday like a little kid. You know, the first uh-huh. thing I look at is, okay, Did are these you? things dying? <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. You so, ran yeah. out there the first thing. Yeah, you know, that, didn't pet the dog, didn't do anything, just ran straight to the backyard like, okay, these freaking weeds are dying. That's a true garden person. Can't wait them. to get home to see what happened in your garden all day mm-hmm. while you were gone. Especially if it's... <laughs> if it's something about killing weeds. Right. Um, la- I think it was last week or one of the days you weren't here. Jim and I did that where all of a sudden we were just kind of sitting here looking at each other. And I said, uh, see, we need Kenneth to fill in those gaps. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all are too funny. All right. Some of the things we'll talk about this morning. Uh, I did talk to Dale Skaggs from the Dixon mm-hmm. Gallery and Gardens. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got a very important topic coming up at the mm-hmm. Dixon. It's free to the public, too. And everybody that's got a box with needs to go, okay? Mm. Who's coming in to talk? Well, I'll tell you all about that. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, Jim, that's one of them. Thank you, right. sir. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I had some calls uh, in the last two or three weeks about moss. You know, I mean, what do we do about moss? Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, different sides of the aisle of what we should do, right? Right, right. So uh, we'll definitely get into that. And of course, y'all, I mean, I, I hate to say this, you know, this time of year when it's cold, you know, rodents want to come inside the house, yep. and they try to get up in the attic. Is there anything in the world we can do for that? Yep, we're going to talk about pruning, too, because a lot of your summer flowering shrubs and monkey grass you want to prune in January, if you can. Oh, so right. we are going to talk about a number of things this morning. Right, I'm going to talk about diversity in the garden and mm-hmm. different types of plants you can garden with. So I guess we should just head off to a break really quick and... Start getting everything together. Yeah. And um, then lastly, Veda, I know you're going to throw something at me when I say this. I just mm-hmm. know you are. Is find it. I've, <laughs> had, I've had quite a few people call me about moles, and we won't spend a lot of time on it, but we'll just oh. briefly say, <laughs> other than putting the for sale sign in the front yard, what should you do about moles exactly. and voles? Yeah, I posted a picture on Instagram about try to get rid of your varmints. Here's some of the options that you can use. Mm-hmm. So I guess they're starting to move around. And so I guess we'll head out to a break and then we'll come back and answer your gardening questions. We really want to know what's going on in your garden. Give us a call morning welcome back to mid-south gardening glad that y'all are all with us today you can yeah. stream us online at uh, kwamradio.com or later listen to our podcast if you'll give us a call this morning 260-5926 260-5926 or of course you can always go to the mighty 990 facebook page and there's miss veda i love it 
There you are, live. There, here I am, uh, live. I don't know. Join our Facebook group too. I, I did this week film on my first video, uh, oh. and, and I swear they'll get better because there is no down from this one. No, right. Uh, <laughs> <Great. laughs> on how to prune roses, and I'll post it. I'm going to try to do some editing, but I, you know, I, I may just post it and. You know, and y'all, but it, <laughs> it actually, just... once you see the end result from the beginning, it's kind of clear, you know, but it's, uh, it, I, I'm, I, I'm not very good at multitasking. Oh, so. I bet you are. So I, anyway, and then we're going to start, uh, in about a week, we're going to start uh, vegetable gardening, one oh one. We're going to talk about soils first. And then we're going to talk about different plants and, and that's so going to be a video it. also, Jim? No, it's going to be just a written thing okay. uh, that'll end up being, we'll put it in the file section so it'll be there for everybody to join. But it'll be probably a, a five or six part thing. Then, And we're not going to talk about uh, lasagna gardening or any of that weird stuff. <laughs> Listen we're, to we're it. We're going to talk about real garden in your soil well you know? that's no, you good say to know. lasagna We're not gonna, garden is real it's no, just it's you not. don't like it but yeah, it, no what, it's not real yeah or you you're not, not talking about you putting do the not cardboard, put cardboard down cardboard. right yeah. yes it works no, putting cardboard down it does nasty stuff to your soil it works so well it killed it is terrible on your soil how does how does uh paper breaking down it's not the make, paper it's mm-hmm. the lack of air moving through yeah well i don't know the gardens that we did look great with it you know, you know it's almost that's like, like saying something won't grow here but you can grow it here i guess you know just got lucky on that and one. my thing is you know a lot of people bury uh like wood or cardboard around their house to to draw the termites Got to draw yeah. the turn. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. Why don't you, can you imagine doing a yeah. whole garden like that? That <laughs> wasn't like up against the house. <clears throat> no, you no, know, no, no telling what you're going to get. You know, up there. Um, we were talking about, um, you know, boxwoods, guys. I mean, I was thinking about this. Dale Skaggs, uh, the director of horticulture at the Dixon Gallery and Gardens, called me, and he said, "Kenny, there's a very, very important topic uh, coming up at the Dixon." And it's about uh, boxwoods and more or less, I mean, more than anything, really boxwood blight. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's February the 18th, uh, and it starts about 9 o'clock. It goes till about 4. It's an all-day event, and it's, it's absolutely free. But I was thinking, y'all, our boxwoods, I mean, it's, it's like our magnolias. It's, it's a southern tradition. Right. Uh, and this yeah. new, well, I shouldn't say this new disease, this disease that we haven't had around here called boxwood blight. Mm-hmm. If you read about boxwood blight, it's it's not a good thing. I mean, it's just not. Uh, and so many of our beautiful old-fashioned uh, boxwoods are susceptible to this blight. And you know, if you look at the pictures, Veda and Jim, I mean, y'all have seen them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it, it will make you want to just dig the thing up and throw it away. And I was, and that's what I was thinking about. I was like, you know, I hope it doesn't come to that. I mean, because there are some beautiful boxwoods in this city. Right. And then that would to, be horrible. Yeah. And then so and then what do you do to replace a boxwood? Mm-hmm. You know, there are a lot of things that we replace a lot of shrubs with, okay? Yeah. There's always something else we can plant. But honestly, to me, when it comes to boxwoods, there's not a lot of good replacements for those. Now, are they coming out with newer generations yeah, of boxwoods that's are. supposed to be more blight resistant? Yes, they are. Yeah, but it still doesn't look like that elegant southern you know american boxwood Mm -hmm. it just doesn't well after we plant those in about 
15, 20 years maybe, then people will start visualizing those as the southern boxwoods. Well, it says, and this is a quote from their webpage, guys, uh, Dixon Gallery and Gardens. It says, during this day-long event, the most knowledgeable professionals in the industry will be discussing the history of boxwood, including landscaping use, uh, cultural information, including pest control. The current challenges of boxwood blight and successful strategies for living with this disease will be the most important topic of the day. Now, they wrote in there with living with this disease. Mm-hmm. So everybody's pretty clear that eventually we're going to start getting it. Okay? Yeah. So we just got to learn yeah. to deal. And then, but, yeah. but Jim and Veda, hadn't y'all heard that, just let's plant, say... Plant wintergreen boxwood, problem <laughs> solved. But it's not the same. It's not the same, yeah. But, <laughs> but the problem with this is once you get boxwood blight, it's not something you can go out there and just cut out and spray a couple times and you're done. It's one of those things where you got to go out there and spray for the rest of your life, you know, on this diseased boxwood. People aren't going to do that. No, don't want to do it. It's just too much trouble, too much money. So, yeah, replacing. They still plant knockout roses. Uh, yeah, no, I thought about right. that also. But let me say less, this real quick. Though, we're getting to less, I'm thinking. It says uh, the speakers will include uh, Lynn Bent. Uh, Batdorf. Batdorf, uh, International Cultivar Registration Authority of Boxes, which is Boxwood, and uh, Bennett Saunders, uh, the owner, Jim, like you yeah. said a while ago, of Saunders Brothers Nursery. And then they'll have uh, Dr. Chris Cooper, uh, Booker Lee, and Leslie Hollinsworth, who is the, uh, Leslie's the... She's the UT Field Inspector for the yeah. Department so, of I mean, So this is going to be a really good day to go to the Dixon Gallery and Gardens uh, February the 18th from 9 to 4. So is it limited on how many people can get in? No, it just says open to the public No, okay. and absolutely free. Okay, cool. So that's something that we all need to take a look at, Is that at, on guys. a Saturday? I'm not sure what day that's on. Yeah, um, check but, that out. But, but just mark that one down on your calendar because this is going to be really important because we've already had some cases, mm-hmm. quote, quote, of boxwood blight here in Shelby County. Right. Yeah, sure enough. Yeah, Saunders Nursery, man, they have fantastic boxwoods and beautiful pictures and different kinds of varieties. I really enjoy looking through their catalog. I had no idea. I got their availability yesterday. I was going to read through it. Yeah, Yeah, I had no idea how many boxwoods. I knew there was a lot, but when you looked at that... It's a Friday, okay. It's a Friday. Friday. And at Saunders, okay. which is in the Virginias or the Carolinas? Carolinas. Virginia. Virginia. Virginia, thank you. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, uh, when Boxwood Blight was actually making its way through there, I mean, you had to almost dress up like in a spacesuit mm-hmm. e- to even walk their grounds. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you had to put on booties and, that, and, and everything else. And that's still true. Yeah. Oh, absolutely yeah. it is. I mean, people are doing everything they can, especially these major growers. Yeah. The spores are sticky, so they'll stick to your mm-hmm. shoes, and it's easy to transport them from one garden to the other. Uh, plus, the spores can last in the ground for six years or so. Uh, you know, you can take out all your boxwoods, wait five years, plant them, and they mm-hmm. come right back. So, um, and, and think yeah. about it. I mean, and, and then it makes me think about, let's say, Otto Luke and Laurels, okay? Hmm. Otto Luke and Laurels. I love the shrub. I really do. I mean, they're really pretty when they're healthy. But you know how many problems you can have with autolucans, whether it's shot hole disease, inadequate drainage, and you know what happens then. Mm-hmm. So people just, they, they're like, okay, I've had it. I'm done with them. They dig them up and they plant something else. And, and that's what I was thinking about the boxwoods. There's Kel- no replacement for them. Kelonectia pseudonificulata. Whatever you just said. That Sounds good. boxwood blight. Yeah. That's what it is. Mm, well. How about that? 
you know, I can say pythium. <laughs> I can almost say it. <laughs> That's a blight. <laughs> so just be aware, guys, if you've got uh, old-fashioned boxwoods. And if you read about it, like Jim and Vade, y'all said before, there are some boxwoods that are more susceptible and then some that are not as susceptible. So <clears throat> now, we might have to kind of change the way we think about boxwoods. Clarify one thing. There's no such thing as boxwoods. They are boxwood, whether it's mm. one or 50. They're boxwood. <laughs> I'm going to call box. them boxwoods till the yeah. day I die. Mm-hmm. Your boxwoods. boss. Yeah. Your boss got on to me for calling them boxwoods. <laughs> There's I've no else in boxwoods. I've never had that discrepancy until right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Kroger, Krogering, Krogers, boxwood, boxwooding, boxwoods. Anyway, I guess that doesn't matter. That's why we need talking. you here, Kenneth. Yeah, <laughs> so quit to, going to, to correct going me where other people would know that it was a nightmare <laughs> last week. <laughs> I think he's talking about something else, Kenneth. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but uh, let me just say this real quick, and I'll get off of it. Yeah, I think it's really good that Dale Skaggs and other people uh, thought this was important enough. Uh, to bring these experts in, I'm telling mm-hmm. experts on boxwoods uh, because this is a topic I'm telling you that's going to that potentially could affect a lot of people. Uh, you go in some of these stately houses with these stately landscapes, and y'all, and all you see really mm-hmm. are boxwoods out there. Yeah, I visited one back this past fall, and if she had, she must have had 400 boxwoods in her yard uh, that's from my point. you know some that were eight feet across and mm-hmm. tall, you know, and then lots of different varieties. I mean, this was a boxwood manor, mm-hmm. and wow. uh, I would just be so afraid yeah. because she's uncomfortably close to where it was found. Oh, no. <laughs> the first See, case of it. Well, yeah. that, that house that we always worked at, we called her the 900 Lady Boxwood mm. because she said she had about that many. But, of course, she had planted hedges, too. And so you had to plant them close. So that's where you came up with so many. But we'll be right back. Call us 260-5926. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. We'd love to answer your gardening questions. Give us a call 260-5926 or you can post your questions on our Facebook Live. If you're having trouble hearing us, you can also stream us at kwamradio.com. So um, gardens, you know, there's so many different kinds of gardens we plant. I mean, they have names (laughs) like we've got the hummingbird garden. We've got the butterfly garden. So true. Or the cottage garden or the formal garden. What what do you call your garden, Jim? Hodgepodge. Uh, <laughs> Hodge I was podge. thinking it, like it's a, a nurseryman's <coughs> garden. Okay, that's a good one. Yeah, it's a nurseryman's garden, garden because you know, I'm not looking at design. Mm-hmm. I want to try to grow lots of different things. To see if I can grow them, you know, mm-hmm. and if they don't make it, then we try something else. I yeah. like that. Um, I like that yeah. name better because all I could come up with at the time was eclectic gardener. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, so I've be, got, but... you know, I've got cacti, I've got agave and men and um, prickly pears or without the thorns and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. I've got um, uh, 
uh, hadikiums yeah. and all kinds Just, of gingers and yeah. things like that. So. And I've seen pictures. It's absolutely beautiful. And it's not like this is a hodgepodge, like one big square yeah. with just a bunch like, of stuff yeah, thrown right. in it. No, hundred varieties of pastas. Yeah, Jim's so. got these yeah. beautiful walkways through there and this mm-hmm. beautiful huge fish you know, fountain yeah. tank he's got on the back oh, property. Or maybe we just call yours an arboretum garden. Yeah. That's pretty close. Good yeah. You know, <laughs> you think about it, because now there's all becoming conservation gardens, uh, biodiversity gardens, new titles, permaculture gardens. So um, there's coming out with this younger generation is coming out with different types of gardens that they're wanting to create. I mean, when I was growing up, it was really just two. Mm-hmm. You know, it was the Vegetable flower. Vegetable. Yeah, thank you, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. You know, and that's just all we needed, right? right. <laughs> you know, you had your vegetable garden, you had your flower garden. Hey, guess what? It's still that way. Thank you, Jim. (laughs) But you can call it whatever you want. Right. Yeah, there's all kinds. But you know, if you're picking your plants, sometimes it's overwhelming. Like, it's easy for you to pick your plants, Jim. You know, I mean, it's just you don't have enough space That's true. because you know where you're going with it. But sometimes when you're out there ready to landscape and you're just looking, going, what is my goal? What am I trying to create? Or I want this look really good. Sometimes if you get a topic or a type of garden to strive for, then that that helps you um, eliminate trying to pick every plant that's there right is. It yeah gives you i mean if it's an alpine garden you know you're going to have good drainage out there rocky soil mm-hmm. mostly conifers and those kind of things you know you're yeah. not putting azaleas right. in your alpine garden yeah. you know yeah. so you can kind of think in that direction or why not have different gardens in one garden as well like different like you can have a sensory garden here and your herb garden and your hosta garden well you know that's kind of what i've got i've had the Mm -hmm. what's good basically a cutting garden Mm -hmm. and the one that's you know out on the side yard um then i have the secret garden which is shade garden it's you know edgeworthia and and no one ever sees it very seldom (laughs) seldom. that's where the, the koi pond is um then you know i have just the backyard is just color so mm-hmm. when you sit on the deck, you can look at stuff, you know, and a lot of it's foliage, uh, different types of cannas that, you know, because you seldom get them to flower here because the darn worms get them. But yeah. You, yeah. you can grow the feet leaves on them anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> at least. you know. That's why now there's cannas with prettier leaves. Uh, I, I don't know if I've ever heard of a canna worm called the darn worms. Yeah, you know, darn, darn worms. worms. I know it. <laughs> they're tough. To, they're really tough to control. Well, and, and, and but you still yeah. go back. Almost to the basics, though. Even when you're creating, and Jim knows this better than anybody, invaded you do too, because you've done landscaping your whole life. But you still go back to the basics. And to me, the basics starts with the soil. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I was talking to a gentleman yesterday. He He's semi-retired now. And he said, I've got a little more time to do some gardening in my backyard. So he's got some people coming out today, as a matter of fact, to build some boxes for him. Eight foot by four foot boxes. And I said, well, how deep are these going to be? He said, well, they're probably going to be about 20 inches deep. Well, I'm thinking, okay, you still got to bend over, you know, to do any harvesting. And this is going to be for vegetables. You know, and I got another friend down in Olive Branch. He started his about 20, 24 inches tall. Now he's up to three foot tall, okay? (laughs) Well, he can just walk out there. They're waist high. He doesn't have to bend over to pick anything. But like the gentleman told me yesterday, he's got some bulk soil coming in, whether it's a garden mix, a pro mix, whatever. He's got some uh, bulk soil coming in to put in these raised beds. And I said, now, understand, you're not done with just that bulk soil. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to add some good compost in there. You need to check that pH, maybe probably add some lime in there, add some good fertilizer in there when you get ready to plant. I mean, there are things that you need to do. And he said, 
thank you so much. You know, he, he really just didn't, he didn't understand that he needed to add anything else to the soil that they're bringing in in bulk form. I hear that a lot. Yeah. You feel like when you're going to the compost yard, then what you've got is plenty. And you don't want to get something that's really porous. No. A lot of people are talking about drainage. Yeah, and that's one of the problems, you know, when you buy these mixes. A lot of that is fresh stuff. It's a lot of coarse stuff. And a lot of people struggle the first year mm-hmm. until that stuff begins Trying to, to break down. Trying to keep enough water in their gym. That, and before it starts breaking mm-hmm. down uh, to where you've got particles that will hold on to your nutrients right. and water. Uh, so the first year is often a struggle. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you can have you, everything basically set right and still have mm-hmm. a struggle that first year. Yeah. But I said, and he said, now, when, when compost, he said, what, what kind of compost? And I said, I don't care what kind of compost you put in there. Whether it's cow manure, sheep manure, back to nature, back to nature blend, any of them, earthworm castings, no one cares. Just add some mm-hmm. compost to that soil. That's the most important thing you can do. And then I always like to replenish with <clears throat> different things. Like one time I might use a earth mix. The next time I might use back to nature blend. The next right. time worm castings, just so I can try to get everything needed throughout the, the time. And then a lot of times your plants can tell you too what you, what they need as well. So it, you don't have to pick just one type of soil. And so what are your plants telling you? I knew I was waiting, <laughs> waiting for you to say that. I was already coming up with, well, you know, when I go out and sit in the garden, <laughs> well, my, but my uh, clematis says, hey, honey, can you put a little lime around yeah. me this year? Every time you walk past <laughs> me, can you lime me? And this or the is Boxwoods tells me about that. What's the name of that blight? <laughs> <laughs> can you tell me how that word again? See, you, Jim, now I got to look it up Jim, again. If you, do, <laughs> if you do the right things and and, and and add mushrooms to your salad every every night, you mm-hmm. can hear those plants talking to you like that. Okay? Oh. <laughs> Trust oh, me. the mushrooms, is and that I what thought it does was, that? I thought it was what I was drinking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but let me say this, not only for raised beds, but even like you're talking about, Veda, you know, have creating different beds in your landscape. Doesn't matter what kind of bed it is. You still generally have to amend your soil. And that's really back to the most important thing that you can do is get the soil right before you get ready to plant anything, whether it's seeds or plants. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Make sure you're working on that soil before you do anything. I visited a yard this week um, where a lady had tested her pH, sent, the, sent it off to get an actual test. It wasn't just something she, you know, grabbed out of the air. Right. And her pH came back at like four and a half. Which is horribly wow. acidic. Right. For anyway. I don't know. I mean, that'll yeah. burn your she's been, she's been in the house about 20 years. But... Mm. She, they uh, their backyard had half a dozen trees that were left there from when it was woods. So they're not mm-hmm. filled out nice trees. Mm-hmm. You know they're narrow with very few limbs right. on them. Yeah. And, and but they've got a lot of roots in now, the ground. Now does she live there. here in the mid south, Jim? Uh, she does. She lives in Collierville. Okay, not far. Yeah, okay. yeah. So anyway, um, they put whoever sold them sod told them that this hybrid Bermuda would grow in there. Mm-hmm. It, and it's a little patch left about 10 feet wide on the far side where it gets some sun, but all the rest of it died. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they, uh, somebody else sold them on Palisade Zoysia. Which you would think because it's a little more shade tolerant. But okay, yeah. the issue was that and competition, but it's really too shady for Palisade. Mm-hmm. So uh, it mostly died too. So she's got some really nice uh, 
bunches of annual bluegrass right now. Frustrating. Right. So anyway, I, I took my pH meter out there, tested it. They have limed it twice. They've got the pH back up to around six and a half, which where is where it, it needs should to be. be. Perfect. Right. And I told her to take out all but two trees. There are two um, pin oaks that are placed right to to. Uh, shade on their kitchen window. Mm-hmm. It's a big... Strategically l- leave those two right. there. You know, and they're not going to cast enough shade. They'll get a plenty of sunlight four or five hours before the sun gets to them. So, mm-hmm. you know, and, and she's going to end up with a really nice turf back yes, there. Yes, she will. But, you know, they've aerated, they fertilized, they did everything that they thought they should, and... You Never know, checked the pH, and yeah. that was the first thing. Well, yeah. see, they're, they're, see her Bermuda grass was talking to her because it just moved. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> it said, no, I'm not planted in the right place. And, and think about that pH. I mean, because like you said, around here for typical lawns, you know, 6.2 to 6.8 is where you want to be, 6.5 being uh, ideal. And it was 4.4 4. and a half. Yeah, it was down. And, and, and seven's neutral. You know, anything below seven yeah. is acidic. And, and they put, like, 40 pounds of lime, you know, over oh, okay. the whole, whole yard, <clears throat> yeah. you know. And yeah. So they finally did go to a garden center, and they said, no, 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 no. You need a whole lot yeah. more lime. Yeah, because a bag of lime, <laughs> a bag of lime is usually uh-huh. 40 pounds, just typical pelletized lime. And 40 pounds would do about 1,000 square feet, and that would raise your pH about half a point. But so, the point I was going to make is, to, to put it in mm-hmm. perspective, Jim, seven's neutral. Six is ten times more acidic than seven, okay? Mm. Five is a hundred times more acidic than seven. Right, but it takes the same mm. amount of lime to move it from five to six as it does from six to seven. True, that's true. So, but yeah, it's uh, the it's uh, so sing- single most important thing is getting the amount of lime down <laughs> correctly, you know? Yeah. Because they were looking at 160 to 200 pounds per thousand square feet right. to get the pH up where they needed it. And is that what they did, Jim? They finally did. They wow. got enough of it down. They've been using millorganite, which yeah. is a good mm-hmm. start. Uh, it's not going to lower their pH back. Uh, you know, she's been throwing triple ten on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, would that help acidify the soil somewhat yeah. if you're doing it a lot? The triple ten. It would, yeah. 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 But so many people do that. First of all, they wind up putting the wrong type of grass down to start with. And in this case, she had lots of trees. And even though she had some light down there, she didn't have enough light to support Bermuda. And she had competition from those trees. And mm-hmm. that's critical. And the pH was, like I said, right. you could walk across and it burn your feet. Now, do you b- agree that 40 pounds per thousand square feet will raise it about half about a point? About half a point. Half. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Now, and, and you'll get a significant amount of that happening in 60 to 90 days. Gotcha. But it'll take a full two years for that lime to do everything that it's going mm. to do. So y'all better start right now figuring out what you're going to do. And we can talk more about that when we get back. If you have questions, 260-5926. <clears throat> Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. We'd love to take your gardening calls, 260-5926. You can check us out on the Facebook group page, mm-hmm. Mid-South Gardening. Yeah. Yeah. And real quick, y'all, we were talking about just simply adding lime to raise the pH because mm-hmm. it's really important when it comes to someone like a lawn, okay? Um, and Jim, you're saying mostly invaded, mostly people put out a pelletized lime now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, back in the day, whenever that was, you know, you'd buy this 50-pound bag of white powdered lime. It no. was, 
it would just blow <laughs> everywhere. You know, you might get a third of it actually on the lawn. The rest of it just blows I mean, away. Who would even want to put it out when you, you could, had to go through all yeah, that? Yeah, and you, you know? couldn't couldn't even put it in a spreader. Yeah, it was, you know, it, was it, so heavy. it wouldn't yeah. spin. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, but the pelletized lime is more homogenous. It breaks down a lot faster. Uh, it uh, alters the pH faster. So th- those are great attributes. And now there's even what they call fast lime. Right. And it's cheaper to use in the long run. And it is a pelletized lime also, but instead of taking months to break down and alter that pH, it does it in a matter of weeks. So right. I would really but one bag will cover about 5,000 square feet That's, instead of mm-hmm. five bags of the other. That's I like right. that. So it's a little cheaper to use. And um, it's going to act faster. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah what, what, you know, what's wrong with it then? I can't see any drawback. When you're when you're getting lime, you know, well, like farmers, when they're buying lime, they're told what mesh sizes that lime will go through. Yeah. The smaller it is, the faster it works. Yeah. And then actually in Tennessee, if it's too large, you can't sell it as lime because it just doesn't do, change the pH. Takes so much longer. It, yeah, right. So, you, you know... The the more expensive it is, the better it is, the yeah. finer it is. Yeah. That's why eggshells don't work. Mm-hmm. Because unless you get them down to powder size with a mortar and pestle, well, yeah. they're not going to change the pH. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, worm farmers will do that. They'll grind mm-hmm. it really fine and feed it to their worms. Okay, But if you're throwing out eggshells, they're not going to get down that small. And yeah. they're not going to change your <clears> pH. You can put all the eggshells you want in your compost pile, and it ain't changing. Well, we all just adds a little aeration. We always forget (laughs) about lime, so that's something just keep in the back of your head. Don't forget about the pH; it's really important. It's usually not a live or die situation. But overall, as far as the health, you got to have the pH it's, where it needs to be. Except for mm-hmm. 5.4.5 almost sounds like a liver okay. die situation. Could, yeah. yeah. Okay, let's uh, go to James. Good morning, James. You're in the Mid-South Garden. How are you today? Uh, wonderful. James, uh, good morning like, to you, buddy. I would like to know what's the best fertilizer for Kimberly Queen, the fern. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, well I don't. I, I dare say I don't know if there's a best fertilizer. Mm-hmm. And I can say this, James: when you buy the Kimberly Queen in the spring, put it in your container, usually up there on the porch by the front door. You know, a lot of people still love using fish emulsion around ferns, but I'm one of those people where fish emulsion has a scent to it, and it's usually not a good scent. And I don't know if you want to use something like fish emulsion in a Kimberly fern in indoors a, in a container or yeah. even close to your front door when people are coming in and out. Okay. So now you can get liquid okay. fertilizers that have the fish emulsion mixed in, but they've also got other things where uh, the smell's not so intense. But fish emulsion used is used to be the thing for ferns. If you had ferns, then you oh, had yeah. fish emulsion. I use Osmocote. Yeah. Osmocote. Okay. Uh, I once knew a lady. That I had like a <clears throat> a twenty four inch pot. Yeah, she sat on her patio <clears throat> every year. She would cut it all the way back. Yeah, and put it in her garage. And in spring, she'd bring it back and set it mm-hmm. back on the table on the that's right on the um you know and it would come back up beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now I have tried that two three different times. <clears throat> But it doesn't work for me. I'm thinking she used some type of fertilizer to make it come back. That, I mean, she would do this mm-hmm. every year. Yeah. Is it the, the same, same firm? Are you using? Kimberly. Yeah. Usually the reason Kimberly Queen. that mm-hmm. they don't come back is people let them get dry. 
you've got to continue to water them through the wintertime. If that pot dries out, it's toast. And a lot of people don't think about giving it water all the way through the winter. Yeah. I don't think she would water it. She would just cut it back and put it in in a closed-in garage, closed-in. Yeah, but I bet, James. And here comes spring. She'd bring it out and put it on the table. Well, but I bet you she'd go out there and put some water on it from time to time. And then you were talking about the fertilizer a while ago. The fish emulsion, the big bloom, any water-soluble plant food is absolutely fine. Jim mentioned Osmocote. The beauty of Osmocote, as you probably know, it looks like a little small BB. You know, you sprinkle that in the soil around this Kimberly Queen. The beauty of it is it's going to feed it for really the whole summer. And it's completely non-burning. So whether you use a liquid plant food every two weeks or whether you use something like Osmocote, Every two to three months. It really doesn't matter. Osmocote is what I have been using, and it comes, and the fern comes out beautiful. Yes. I mean, they come out real huge. I Mm -hmm. use a couple more different types of fertilizer. Yeah. But they Mm -hmm. usually come out, uh, you talk about maybe mm, from 32 inches Mm -hmm. wide up. Yeah. Uh, 36, that's right. Huge, huge, huge. Maybe you know, maybe the, the fern that's not coming back or you're having trouble with, maybe it needs replenishing some more soil around it, uh, some more, even more nutrients like uh, worm castings. Yeah, worm the castings would year. work great. Yeah. Well, but James, I still worm like... Cast. Yeah, I mean, but I still tell people like you, you got everything to gain and nothing to lose by cutting that thing back putting it in the garage where it's not going to freeze, of course. But like Jim said and Veda said, the two things you need to think about is making sure you keep some moisture on this fern. Don't let it completely dry out because it will kill it. And then putting a top dressing of earthworm castings before you put it away, before you store it. And that really will make a big difference on the way this thing flushes back out in the spring. All right. Thanks for the call, James, and hope that works out. Let's give us a call sometime and let us know. But we're going to... Uh, go out for a minute, and so you can give us a call, 260-5926. Or you can look us up. I know, and you can look us up on the... Is the clock off? I know. It's because now it blinks over here. That makes me crazy. But also check us out on the Facebook group page. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but uh, but also, I know we only got, you know, 30 seconds here, is... I applaud what people do, like James, trying to save these Kimberly Queens. Because I've seen them, I mean, I've seen them in, like, wash tubs Mm -hmm. getting that big. You know, and and when you've got a a 40-inch pot like that, it may not dry out but once during the entire winter. I mean, because it's Mm -hmm. inside a garage where it's cool, Mm -hmm. it's got no foliage, so you may not have to water it much, but you can't allow it to go totally dry. The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning and welcome to Mid-South Gardening. Glad to have y'all with us on the second hour here. 
I'm Veda with Palladio in Memphis. Yep, and I'm Kenneth Mabry with Dan West Garden Centers here in Memphis, Tennessee also, Miss Veda. And I'm Jim Crowder, retired nurseryman and, and dictator of the Mid-South Garden. Dictator. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think there was any because dictatorships around here, Jim. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not a democracy. I'm it's sure they've called you that on your garden page, Among too. other things, Yeah. Yes. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're just trying to get the right information out there. That's it. We try to get the right information. We try to uh, make sure that there's no drama whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, that Facebook page, honestly, uh, Jim's uh, Mid-South Gardening, uh, it's... I mean, it's it's the best one out there. I mean, if you as far as information mm-hmm. goes, yeah. and I'm you not know, saying yeah. that because I love Jim to death. I'm telling you, I, I, I'm, it, a, I'm a member of a lot of groups, and you know that, and none of them, uh, they're all they all have so much drama in them. You know, <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, I don't like the drama groups. That's just you know, it's Jim. I'm just telling you, it's, it's I just mean, gardening. Well, but, but people are right, in, right. people are engaged. Uh, they they send in photos. They send in comments. Uh, they ask a million questions. You got great people giving great answers. I'm telling you, man, it's it, it's just it's all about information. Yeah, and it's there. I'm telling you. Yeah, because you know if you don't have that plant, then you sometimes don't get to see the, all the phases that it can go through. But right. on their Mid South Garden, like on your Sansevieria, I've never seen a bloom, and then the bloom that it bloomed looks like a fiber optic cable, which I never would have thought. Well, in instead a of saying sensibility, why don't you just say mother-in-law's tongue? People understand what well, that is. Uh, kind of politically incorrect now. Uh, uh, I know. I was wondering if can you still say mother-in-law's <laughs> tongue? Probably not. Probably not. Mm-mm. Really, you think? And you're right. You don't typically yeah. see those. You're not buying those for a bloom, but a yeah. lot of people don't even know they can bloom especially that kind of bloom i wouldn't even expect that but so that so the gardening page is good for that to see their uh plants and all in different phases and plus plants that i've never seen at all that's wonderful it is a good group but or if you like want- if i never get to see a, a blooming cactus i got to see some beautiful blooming christmas cactuses on your page well and not only christmas cactus cactus blooms themselves yeah are some of the prettiest blooms you'll ever find ever mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it, it's fun trying to grow all that stuff. But if you want to give us a call this morning, 260-5926, 260-5926, you can go to the 9990 Facebook page, and there's Miss Veda. Oh, Shoot oh. us a text, or you can go to, um, uh, what, the kwamradio.com. Yeah, stream and us then, online. Yeah, and then you can listen to the podcast later on well, if you want. I just got to say, David, David. That mm-hmm. listens to us and calls in all the time. David, sure. You mean the real more David? Yeah. yeah. yeah well, he uh, did text me and ask me about the arborist, and I confirmed with Jim who the good ones were or who we. So recommend. he was looking for one. Yeah, mm-hmm. but do you think I texted him back and told I told him I would let him know, and I never told him. So I'm going to have to text him real quick. Well, back. So that. David, I have to say I'm sorry mm-hmm. about that. You know, there used to be. You know, we would recommend. Uh, Mark Follis all the time. And then he just got so busy where he couldn't take on any more accounts, yeah. honestly. And one of the things that made Mark, and, and I'm sure other arborists out there, so busy was when we started getting crepe myrtle bark scale. You know, not only did he con- you know take care of a lot of trees here in the Mid-South, Aveda and Jim, but then with the, there again, the advent of crepe myrtle bark scale, he started taking care of crepe myrtles. You know, treating those for the scale that we never mm-hmm. used to have. So all of a sudden, he is so busy. He even brought his son out of, uh, from up from uh, Colorado, 
and said, you need to get here and help me. <laughs> so the son came into Memphis and helped him for a couple of years. What did and, he say? You want me to leave Colorado yeah, and so come yeah, to I Memphis? I think he's back in Colorado <laughs> yeah. now. It must have took a lot of money. Yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, then Fred Morgan, Absolutely. you know, he'd been around for 100 years, which was a, he's a great guy. He was, mm. you know, still a great arborist. But now I tell people, I don't really know of a particular arborist to call. Mm-hmm. I just say call some of these tree companies, whether it's Jones, Davies, Woodlands, any of those, because they all have arborists on staff. And we also have Wesley Hopper as Wesley's well. Wesley's great, yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah. So um, that, that'll that give you a few things, but I just have to say I'm sorry, David. And for you can always call, answering. you know, call the Botanic Garden and, and talk to somebody like Kyle over there, and, mm-hmm. and they have a whole... Mm-hmm group of of companies that actually work in the garden they have sections that they are in kind of in charge of yeah mm-hmm. so um, <clears throat> they go in take out trees they maintain the cherry trees along cherry road and uh, they'll be happy to give you the name and these are these are good people you yeah know, they really are all right one thing that i wrote down last night guys and you know with the potential of ice and snow coming in tonight uh and it might be short-lived who knows but a lot of times we're out there okay what can i put down on my driveway, my walkway, whatever, my patio, to melt this ice and not potentially hurt my plants around the patio or the walkway. Well, remember, like years and years ago. (laughs) We'd get salt. Right, and then we went to beet juice. Yeah. But can we buy beet juice, or do I have to put it in a blender and put it out? Uh, I don't don't think you can find beet juice. Well, maybe in in a small eight-ounce bottle as a supplement, okay? just sprinkle that on. No, you're not going to waste it out there. But remember, though, remember how we would go out and get these big, just these salt chunks, if mm-hmm. you will, and scatter those everywhere. And then slip on those. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, salt will melt the ice. Of course, it could freeze right back over, but isn't there a potential problem with just using salt anymore? Yeah, you really shouldn't, you know. As because far as the plants go. Yeah. It, it stays in our clay soil, you know, and some plants are very tolerant of salt, but most of the plants that we grow around here don't like it at all. Yeah. We are not the beach. No. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, whether it's a high nitrate fertilizer like urea. Urea. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, which is pure nitrogen. Oh, you, to use to melt the ice? Yeah, it will yeah. flat out melt that ice. Now, I always tell people if you use something like urea, uh, to throw out there to melt the ice. Uh, once the ice is melted, uh, then you need to get a broom and push it off, okay? Because it will refreeze eventually. But most of your ice melts that you buy now, um, you know, they do a really good job in melting that ice, and they're typically very benign when it comes to hurting your green material that's around the porch or patio. Um, because I'm telling you, I've, I've, people use a lot of different things to melt ice and like i said there are a lot of things that will melt ice but it might be doing a lot of damage to the things around these patios and porches so just be careful i'm an advocate of sand yeah you know it's Mm -hmm. cheap you know if you want to go to the mailbox you just sprinkle it as you go and then come back on it when's the last time you slipped on sandpaper right that's not going to happen yeah you know you know if it snows some more then you know you Put a little more sand down on the next trip. Yeah. So. Well, what do, what am I going to watch on TikTok if I can't watch people sliding around on the ice? <laughs> and falling on their behunkas. Yeah. yeah, and then but sliding down the stairs, you know. watch the ones that have good endings. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, but like I said, m- you know, just check your ice melts. Uh, a lot of times it'll say, you know, how to use the product. Um, so just be careful with some of the things that we use is all I'm saying. Uh, but most of them that you buy now are going to be pretty darn 
uh, safe to use mm-hmm. around your shrubs and, and your beds. I think I am liking the sand idea. Yeah, it yeah, works. That may work. Mm-hmm. This Okay, so that'll keep y'all safe and then keep your plants from being fried with the salt later on. Yeah. I mean, you know, cars, the salt eats up cars. Mm-hmm. Why would it not eat up our plants and our soil? Uh, and real quick, you know, the, we were talking to the gentleman, James, while I go about the Kimberly fern, mm-hmm. how a lot of people try to carry them over from year to year. Uh, I was talking to a customer the other day, and this kind of is in the same concept is a lot of people also try to carry over their tropical plants. A lot of times, hibiscus, for example. Got two of them myself. Uh, that's, that's my <laughs> point, Jim. Whether it's a shrub form, a tree form, whatever, uh, instead of just throwing the thing away, knowing that it's going to die through the winter, you got everything to gain and nothing to lose by bringing it inside and see if you can just keep it alive uh, through the winter. But he came into the garden center. He said, my leaves are turning yellow, and I'm getting these uh, little spots on the leaves. And I was like... And yeah, <laughs> and he's like, you know, what do I do? And I said, you, you, nothing. nothing. Uh, I mean, so just reason I'm bringing this up is be aware that you're going to have some foliage on tropicals. I don't care what kind of tropical it is, uh, turn yellow and might even get some spots on there and, and, and fall off. Uh, and it's going to look horrible inside the house. That's not the yeah. growing environment for most of these tropicals. Now, you know, some people say, well, it bloomed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So why do I have no leaves? It must be healthy. It bloomed. Well, it's still alive. Mm-hmm. It still has the energy to bloom. Yeah, because but it's trying to reproduce. Exactly, yeah. before it does die. Yeah, yeah. But uh, most of the time, if you just, uh, you know, water as needed, feed them a little bit. Uh, don't even have to feed them, honestly. But uh, in the spring, when you take them back out, they'll flush right back out. Yeah, mm-hmm. cut them back hard and makes it even quicker. But the guy kind of yeah. gave me this, kind of tilted his head sideways and gave me this look like, so what I don't do need mean? to do anything? Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, you're fine. Right. Well, I had uh, someone come in and bring a yellow leaf that had happened to be on a house plant. And so the girl called me over to see what it was, uh, what was going on with the house plant. And so as I was talking to him, I said, how many leaves on your plant are doing this? Yeah. And she goes, oh, just this one. Yeah. And it's a bottom leaf. Mm-hmm. And it's been in the house just for about three weeks. And um, so I'll tell you what happens yeah. after that. Yeah, there's a story behind there's that. There's a story behind that. And, uh, David, you hang on, too, and we'll be right back. Yeah. Good morning, and welcome back. So the yellow leaf on the plant and... Uh, the one yellow yeah, the leaf one on yellow the house leaf. plant. And so Bailey called me over, and she said, I don't know what's wrong, and... So I told them, well, that's natural for one leaf to turn yellow. It's just one leaf, uh, not your entire plant, right? And she was like, one leaf. And uh, so there's really nothing that she can do because it's just one leaf. It's part of nature. There's no fungicide. You don't need to fertilize it. You know, just maybe make sure you're not overwatering. Yeah, I mean, you're glad that people are vigilant. Mm-hmm. And and they're they're looking out, you know, and they're looking at their plants on a daily basis, mm-hmm. and and you want them to be, uh, you want them to notice things like that. But you know, if yeah. when you look at your plant, if the lowest leaf on a, on a limb or the trunk is the one turning yellow, it's not an issue, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's just it's that's it's just spent. Okay, it's done all it can do to help that plant right. grow. It's putting out new foliage, and it's getting rid of the ones it doesn't need anymore. Right. Well, then he had another plant that had one yellow leaf on it. And I'm saying, well, it's probably the same thing. And he goes, well, also some of the new growth has some little black spots on it. And I'm going, 
you're overwatering. Mm-hmm. You know, so one yellow leaf <clears throat> that he saw, that was the big thing, but the little black spots on there wasn't like a big thing to him. But he was overwatering on that plant. So sometimes it's an interrogation, it oh, seems it, like. It, it, oh, it yeah. Is. You know, if you, if you get customers talking long enough, they'll finally tell you what they did to it. Yeah. <laughs> you, you don't have to guess. It's like, come into this room and you turn uh, the lights on and go, oh, that's did funny. you water it? How many times did you water it? Did you prune it? Where did What light it is in? What kind of soil did you yeah. use? You when, did that. You overwatered you it. You got the heat lamp on them. You know, they're starting to sweat. Yeah, right. Years right. ago when I was working at Dan West Poplar, a lady came Hang in. Hang on, David. And she had, uh, she had a chevalera leaf mm-hmm. that. And she said, I don't know what's happened, but when you looked at the five leaves on the Chef Lara, the left-hand side of every one of them was just like it was cooked, mm-hmm. you know? And she said, I don't know what's going on. And I said, um, you got a lamp right here. Yeah. And she said, no, I don't. Yes, I do. I have a uh, reading lamp. We yeah. swing over. I yeah. Said, that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. It's gotten too close to it and then cooked it. Isn't that She something? said... You guys are good. You can yeah. tell me how I got my furniture arranged. Uh, for real, for real. That is so good. Um, oh, that made me forget about the other. Uh, oh, there's this plant. It's a Dracaena. And, of course, I know Dracaena like it dark. But there's this one that seemed to just not grow right. Mm. It's just sitting there. And so and not kinda, And the Dracaena looks kind of like a yucca. Yeah, yeah. the yeah. little things just sticking up, right. you know. But then they tra- Now there's so many more. Yeah. But um, so it was getting a lot of light. I'm like, okay, let me put it in light. Let's make this thing grow. And fi- I mean, this was over a year. I don't think about it. It's, yeah. it's back in there. We get new plants in. It goes here, goes there. Because the foliage is really pretty, and, and, but just not growing. Yeah. I said, okay. Oh, wait, wait. Dracaena's like low light. And I've got it right under this light bulb. Moved it to the darker section and it started putting on new growth. Unbelievable. So sometimes you can have too much light on your house plants. Unbelievable. Let's go to David so he can wear me out with me not texting. Good morning, David. Good morning. Hey, Dave, I heard just then uh, that Veda was going to do something for you and it just didn't happen. I thought I'd bring that up. Oh, that's... That- Look, I heard her. That's the reason why I'm calling. And by the way, I, I get to knock out two birds with one stone. I wished everybody a happy new year last week, so I'm wishing you a happy new year. Right well, back at you, Dave. No doubt, buddy. Yes, sir. Yeah. Thank you. But, Veda, so, did you well, find Veda, out anything? I, look, what was that? I was asking Veda if she had an arborist or. Mm-hmm. It was who we had talked about, Fallis, oh, Wesley yeah. Hopper. Yeah, no, look, Veda. I have so many fires to put out until, you know, yeah. <laughs> you get to me at some point. Yeah. Um, oh, you're so kind. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I just, I just killed my, my Kenmore, which my mother gave me vacuum cleaner yesterday. <laughs> so I'm, Uh-oh. Having, I'm going online trying to find a hose and you wouldn't believe how hard it is. Oh yeah. Find, well, first of all, we serious don't have them. So yeah. my God. I know. Number, none of it. It's yeah. just it's a nightmare. So but, no, um, now you just have to buy, or the hose will cost as much as the vacuum. Well, cleaner. about half yeah. as much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that is if you can find it, yeah. like like Dave's That's talking correct. about. <clears throat> That's correct. So I'm at Amazon, all that. So it, it, and it's a sentimental value, but it actually works. And I tell right. you what, we've had a Kenmore yeah. vacuum cleaner, just the one you drag around the house, uh, you know, for a hundred years. And I had to do the same thing, Dave. That's when Sears was still open. I had to find a part for it. Uh, and it took forever, but I finally found it. But, you know, I hate not using it because it still works like mm-hmm. a charm, you right, know? Right, yeah. So how's your yeah. critter problem? The moles and um, all? It, 
it's 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 kind of wild. I, I I had them under control, and they kind of like went to the back door, and now they're coming back up to mm-hmm. the front. Mm-hmm. Like, what? You gotta respect these guys. Yeah. Before mm-hmm. I would sure take a hammer to the head if I. Uh oh, the, the the environment is gonna hate that. Yeah. <laughs> or is that yeah. is that PETA? I yeah. Think. <laughs> well, yeah. obviously they haven't suffered with the mole problem. Yeah, but David, <laughs> no, you were they, you were they, asking Veda about an arborist. I mean, do you have some problems with some of your oh, trees? Yeah, yeah. I said last week. I'm sorry. Last week about the trees, a couple of trees. One, one I'm sure that it's got to come down as a pecan tree. Uh-huh. Because it's got a hole at the base, and it's got another hole a little bit farther up. Most of them do. And um, <laughs> the, the limbs are falling consistently. So I know that one has to come down. So I, um, we're probably just going to get a, a a quote on what it's going to be, not from the harvest, but somebody in that business. Right, it down. that's right. And then the one in the front, uh, which is between me and my neighbor, um, yeah. we want to get looked at. There's some fungi on it. Yeah. Or fungus, whichever is the correct pronunciation, Both. because I know we're doing English this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Leave me Fox out of that wood. topic. Fox Woods. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Jim corrected I, me, I, David. I looked it up. Uh, it's a lost cause. Here in our English lesson. I looked it up because I didn't know what they were, and I looked it up under Fox Woods. So, See, Dave, me and you were on the same team, buddy. I'm telling you. <laughs> But, you know, I tell you what, there are a lot of pecan trees here in Memphis. And they do, you know, they're majestic trees. I mean, they, they become massive trees. But, I mean, like any other tree, you know, oak trees and everything in between, eventually, you know, eventually they do have to come down. Yeah, you know, you know about 40 years is about all you're going to get a production out yeah. of them, and then they just start going backwards. Yeah. Oh, the, one in the, front, the one in the front, I believe, is called a willow oak which is you know have those real skinny leaves yeah. that's exactly that, what right? it is uh-huh. yeah okay that and it, it I, I just know these real big pieces of fun fungi or fungus on them that that, that eventually fell off of them but that, that can't be good is it jelly like stuff um or or is or is it one, like bl- blue green like a lichen no this is white it's okay white. okay uh, maybe white orange and once mm. it fell it, it kind of looked like, boy, did I did I drop a bun or something down on the ground or something? <laughs> gotcha. Like slime okay. flux? Yeah. Does it sound like slime flux? No, I think he's yeah. he's got some wood that's dying in it. Mm-hmm. Now, what we see a lot in, particularly in these big trees, limbs will get a certain size, they'll start dying off, and it's because of damage that were when they were young from cicadas. They actually, when they lay oh. their eggs in there, they'll split that wood, and over time that cankers up then you don't get food moving back down correctly and the limb dies off. But all that is is just fungus dying, uh, living on that decomposing wood. So it's, it's not the fungus that caused the problem. It's right. there after Secondary, the fact. It's yeah. just moving in on, on wow. that wood. I have I have a water oak, which is very similar, and a pin oak in my front yard, and they do the same thing. You know, they're all the time shedding off a limb or two, and I can usually almost always find that line where the cicada cut through them. Hmm. I have, I have, yeah, it's, it, um, we're obviously concerned because we don't want the tree falling on my neighbor. No. I got a good neighbor. Yeah. And mine either. <laughs> if you had a bad neighbor, a neighbor. Right. <laughs> Leave that tree up. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> One other question, and I'll let you guys go. Yes, sir. Um, I called 311 to pick up my 20 bags of leaves, and it was so difficult, but they finally came by and picked them up. Good. After I, I, I complained about it on Facebook. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Social media. But, yeah. But in any case, 
I said, you know, I'm not going through this with the other 10 bags or approximately 10 bags that I got left to um, rake up. Yeah. So I mulched them. You know, I took them in the back and I mulched them. Is that going to, and it looks fine. It looks, you know, it's different because the coloring is different mm-hmm. than what sure. it's usually. Oh, yeah. But is that going to be a pH problem? No. no, no, you're good. Nope, leaves will not change your pH. Right. It's, it's no, a natural no. occurrence. Yeah, it's just going to be nothing but good for you unless right. you pile right. them up around the crowns yeah. of the plants and pack them. But no, just as a mulch, it's a fantastic idea. Great, great. So, 311, if you're listening, no more calls until next year. It, exactly. <laughs> Throw that one in there, Dave. I appreciate it, buddy. We got, Dave, thank you, buddy. Happy New Year to you, man. Oh, yeah. And um, there's now beginning to be companies that are picking up leaves, personal, you know. Or you can put, I've seen it like in Classified or on the uh, Nextdoor app where mm-hmm. people are actually asking you to come get yeah. the leaves. You get the neighbor 20 houses down in his mm-hmm. pickup driving through the neighborhood picking up leaves with just the biggest grin on his face. Yeah. First, you know? first house I lived in over on Faxon, you know, I had a, a black gum in the back, but I had a lot of azaleas and I wanted oak leaves because they're kind of dry all winter. They don't, yeah. they don't, they don't uh-huh. get like maple leaves wet and yucky. Right. So I'd, I'd go over to Chickasaw Gardens and wait for them to bag them up and then pick them up and steal them in the night and take them back home. <laughs> And they said thank you very much. And we have so much fun as gardeners and more fun to go. We'll be right back. Good morning, good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Glad to have y'all up with us this morning. Yeah. Waiting for the snow. Yeah, it's Even coming tonight. Even though it might not stick, it's still going to be very pretty. Yeah, like I said, you know, we're selling more sleds and discs at Dan West Garden Center than we are anything, right. Beta. And uh, it, it's cute, though. I mean, people come in with the kiddos, and they're trying to pick the right color. Mm-hmm. You and, know, this is where... Um, sorry about that. Yeah, no, just, no, you're so, fine. This is where you get a whole different look to your landscape when it snows. And this is where I like to have diversity so I can see all the different uh, types of looks with the snow on it. Um, like, well, I just instantly think of all the ornamental grasses. Yeah. You know, the plumes... And um, the foliage can get icy looking, and, and then the sun can shine through it, and it's just beautiful that way. But see, I like the look of evergreens, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's cryptomeria or uh, Leland cypress or junipers or arbovitas, you know, with the over snow. to the ground. So. Well, not, not to that point, Jim, <laughs> but I like the way it looks on the evergreens. Yeah, just, you know, they just hold yeah, the snow real nice. Little pockets in there, you know. Yeah, it, it's pretty cool. And then deciduous plants. But Veda, you've always been about diversity, mm-hmm. you know, because you'll go in some <laughs> landscapes, Jim, and you've seen this a million times, and you'll see that back fence, you know, that's 200 feet long. And the same shrub is all yeah. the way down from the left-hand side all the way down to the right. The same shrub. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. You can People can do that if they want. But it looks so much better. And you actually have potentially fewer problems if you right. have different trees mm-hmm. or shrubs lining right. that back property line. You know, I remember when we could plant 
um, red tip for 10 years, that whole one. It'd be <laughs> yeah. absolutely gorgeous. Amen. I know. But, you know, if you Used limb to. them up. Now you up, can't plant two. <laughs> yeah. If you limb them up, you get a better chance of not having that um, endosporium <sighs> leaf blight. I mean, I've seen some gorgeous yeah, there's one trees. That, yeah, but but yeah, for the most part, red tip vitinias. For the most part, people aren't touching red tip vitinias well, anymore. I think I brought them back with me from Texas no. because in Texas it's just started. Wow, being really intense. And so then when I moved to Tennessee, I was like, yeah, or back to Memphis, I was like, oh yeah, these red tips don't have that issue. And then about a year, two years later. And you'll it see hit. some 20 and 25 year old red tips that are still here in Memphis. And, yeah. and some of them are, are just as clean as a whistle. Beautiful plants. But most of them, mm-hmm. most yeah. people don't want to take that I chance. I don't even think they're for sale. I don't order them. You anymore can still to find them, them out there. But yes, it's one of those that's kind of gone by the wayside because they're again of this horrible leaf right. spot they get. Yeah. So our point was if you had done a whole row of mm. that. A particular plant, then you're going to have to replace the whole row. You just need a good chainsaw on your knee. Yeah, just work and, on and it. Now work it's on it. Leland cypress. Yeah. Yeah, so that Leland, is, yeah Leland Cypress. Just, remember, I mean, everybody and their mother planted beautiful Leland Cypress for all the right reasons. I mean, they're perfect, great. Perfect privacy fence. And mm-hmm. man, that canker disease, uh, and it just, it was one summer. Um, it seems to me, I remember, this is 20 something years ago. I started seeing a lot of canker disease on Leland Cypress around some of the golf courses that I was just playing golf. And I just noticed a lot of these Lelands going down on people. Uh, and it's still around. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, people there again, they were like, no, I'm not going to plant one of these or 20 of these Leland Cypress because I know what, potentially what can happen. So we're always constantly trying to find the plant. Well, that- different plants mm-hmm. to replace these things that are very problematic. So you if know? you use, but see, then that's a hard situation to use different varieties of plants if you're just wanting to plant four in a row. Well, well I get that. You yeah. know, that's that's harder to do for that um, barrier. A good way to do it, but then you don't have room in your backyard. It's like have a grouping here and then bring a grouping forward a little bit and then put a grouping back so it's not a straight row and you could do different things. But then you don't have room in your yard. Yeah, and I'm with you. I mean, but I'm talking about these, uh, like these long, you know, fence rows Mm -hmm. that you see in people's yards that they've got exactly the same plant yeah. from like 200 feet long. Right, uh, right. And to me, and like I said, that people do it. I'm not saying it's, it's really not to do it, well, but then there are better re- ways to do they're it. They're planted too close together, really. <laughs> so that, that adds the stress But to you're it. still trying to create that green yeah. fence, if you will. And no one wants to wait for it to fill in. Nope. I've even suggested when they start growing and start touching then take the middle one out. You know, I mean, if you have to have them planted that close until they start getting better, then just saw down the middle one. I mean, that's a lot of work, and I don't want to take anything out of the environment, but sometimes you're having to work around issues because of our space. Unless it was weeping privet. You know, you never had to cut it out of there. It was just so thick and beautiful, and what they do, they took it away from us. I know. I love it. The weeping privet is beautiful. Uh, guys, when it gets cold outside, we talked about this in the first five minutes of the show. Uh, you know, not only do insects and everything else try to get in your house, but so do critters, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> and I was talking to a guy, nicest guy. I never met this guy before. He's actually got two cabins 
uh, in Middle Tennessee. He he loves it up there so much. He had a, a business here in town, but he bought some land up there, and it was an older house that he turned into a rustic, almost mm-hmm. like a cabin setting. Uh, and he tries to get up there every second that he can, you know, for all the right reasons. And he loves it so much, he he did another one. I think he likes to just piddle and, yeah, and, and create yeah. beautiful interiors in some mm-hmm. of these older-looking uh, rustic homes. But anyway, the the problem with him was this time of year, raccoons and squirrels are trying, and they are, getting into the roof and getting into the attic of his house. And he's like, I can lay there at night, and I, it, I can't stand it because I can hear this noise <laughs> up there. So he did buy some of the granulated uh, urine. You know, it's a combination of coyote and fox urine. And I told the guy, uh, you know, out of all the repellents, as far as repellents go, uh, to me, this has been one of the better ones. Mm-hmm. And I said a lot of people would just get like a, a jar top and put some of this granulated repellent in this jar top and set it over here in this corner, mm-hmm. put some more in the other corner, try to do all four corners and maybe in the center of your attic. And that sense of smell uh, will help run them out of there. And I said at the same time now, you also have to find out where they're getting in. Yeah. You know, you can't, if you see a glaring hole up there in the facial board, you can't just leave it like that. Right. So you also have to go in there and fix the holes where they're getting in. But we, we, it was funny, the conversation we had about these varmints trying to get into attics this time of year. And then I know there are traps, have a heart traps you can put up there. And he said he actually had one of those have a heart traps. I said, well, bait it, put it up there. You have nothing yeah. to lose. Right. So. And then they say, like, don't let limbs touch your house uh, because the squirrels can use the limbs to move over to the house. They can also but jump 20 feet. That's what no I'm doubt. thinking. I'm like, but don't they f- jump, you know? Yeah. So d- that's not even something to But it, it is a real yeah. thing, though. I'm telling you, it's, uh, and it's very discouraging, and it runs people crazy. And then I'm telling you, if you call some of these people to come out and get the varmint for you, the prices are astronomical. Yeah, I mean, they're amazing. they're almost unbelievable. But I guess I would charge high too if I was they having to know, go around I mean, this and guy, get rid I'm of critters. Say, you know, I'm not going to say. I'm not going to even tell you what what they quoted this guy. But it it was like buying a new car. I mean, I was like, oh, what? There's no way yeah, they, they would put a. I mean, it, it was crazy what they were charging. Mm-hmm. Well, wanting to charge this guy to come out and trap a squirrel in the attic. I'm like, was he God. moving in to help? <laughs> not <laughs> Is that sure. What it was. So well, try the traps uh, and mm-hmm. bait it with some dog food or peanut butter or whatever, and then try some of the repellents also. Uh, and then I've heard of people using peppermint oil. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of the little critters, uh, most of them don't like the smell of peppermint. And that's not, a, you know, it's not, peppermint doesn't smell bad to right. me. So, um, you do, know, there are, Do there, remember to follow label instructions. Now, what do you mean by that, Jim? Make sure that it's approved for indoor use before yeah. you do it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there, there was a case uh, not too many years ago where a guy had been spraying. Uh, he was, uh, I don't know, he, I guess he claimed to be a licensed applicator. I don't think he was. Claimed mm-hmm. to be. But, but he was spraying peppermint oil in, in these houses. And, no. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, in the attics and stuff to help get rid of mice. And it's not labeled that way. No. I mean, I've and seen so, people uh, put a few drops on like a cotton ball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he, you know, and set those in a, in a jar top. I mean, did it, is it a bat? Did it kill them or the peppermint oil? Or? No, but it's a, it's a law. So it all has to be. Fix. You have to have mm-hmm. a crew come in and clean it and rip out wood that's gotten stuff, 
you know, that it's mm-hmm. absorbed into. And that kind of makes me think about the people that would go in there and spray the inside of a house for insects around the baseboards and everything. Mm-hmm. And they found out they were using some kind of, you know, insecticide they use on cotton, you yeah. know, that right. that has no business being inside the house, any right. house, you know. Well, we really need to bring DDT back. <laughs> We oh, do. and that's worse yeah. than that's no, better than peppermint. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it is. It's a hundred percent safe for humans. Everything that you heard about DDT was wrong. Everything it was blamed for eggshells and birds. It wasn't. It was other causes. But they're not going to bring it back, Jim, because of the well, the World Health it. Organization actually wants to bring it back to use in third world countries where you know malaria. something like four hundred thousand kids die yeah. each year from malaria, uh, and it will control. You can spray it inside of a house. It's perfectly safe to spray the walls and stuff. Uh, and Lady shaking her head, uh-uh. You, yeah, can, no, I'm not <laughs> you can open the windows and mosquitoes won't come in. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it, it, was, it was an excellent product. So yeah. hopefully I'll get hate had, mail had over the, that. Well, I had an uh, <laughs> uncle that did research with uh, Texas A&M and researched on the peppermint and using it to repel flies, and they were putting it in um, some canister, you know, and plugging it in. And had really great results with the peppermint oil repelling ins- or flies and things like that. Well, far- little varmints but, hate it too, though. Yeah. Well, let's go to a break and um, let's take your gardening questions. Yeah. You know, and we people post them on Facebook Did and all that. Did you finish your peppermint story? Um, no, but I saw we were going to a break. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we'll be right back. Leave me back. hanging like that. <laughs> Good morning and welcome back. So, uh, yeah, mostly what I was just saying about the peppermint was when when uh, he was studying it and there was really a weird thing. It was like 95 and you're like... Back in 1995. Yeah, some of this stuff you, happens by happenstance, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. It was like, why were you thinking a peppermint would work? And then all the things that have been yeah. after that of the smells and all... I'm like, well, I guess he was on to something, but definitely. In fact, mm-hmm. you can buy a product now called Mouse Magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it's a it comes in a pouch, okay, and you can throw it up under your bed, or if you've got a cabin, you can throw it in the rooms, uh, you can throw it in your attic, uh, and all it is is the scent of peppermint, and it's actually called Mouse Magic. It's actually a really good product, you know. So it's amazing what some of the things that we would never think, you know, work for things that you would never think they would work for. Well, and then, of course, you put a peppermint in your mouth so you don't repel people sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, uh, can I bring this up? You know, we were talking about this in the first 10 or 15 minutes of the show uh, is old fashioned. And I know Paul Little, if he's listening, he's going to call me and and say something to me (laughs) and not in a nice way. Moss control. Okay, because Paul Little would always say, why are you trying to kill the moss? Why don't you just incorporate the moss in your landscape and encourage it to grow, you know? But most people, when they see moss growing, whether it's in a bed, mostly in a lawn, the first thing they're trying to do is get rid of it. It's you know? killing my grass. It is yes. killing my grass. Like, oh, Jim, not I mean, so fast. Yeah, I mean, yeah. to... To get rid of moss, yes, you can buy moss killers, whether they're in liquid form that you hook to your hose called moss killer, or whether you get granulated versions. And mostly they're just highly concentrations of iron or potassium salts, okay? But anyway, there are moss killers on the market. But what I always tell people is, yeah, that's fine. But you also got to understand why do you have moss to start with? Because Mm -hmm. if you don't correct why you have it, 
It's going to come back. And I was talking to a gentleman just the other day, came into the garden center. He's been putting a lot of lime down on his lawn the last two or three years because he was talking about the four and a half while ago, Jim. His pH was way off base, okay? He was really acidic in his lawn. And that's one thing is you always want to get your pH tested because you want to make sure you have a high pH to make it less conducive for that moss to grow there, right? Change the environment. Exactly, Veda. You know, moss loves acidic soil. The other thing I told this gentleman, other than the lime, is maybe look at aeration because moss also loves compaction. That soil, when it comes compact, it's just perfect and acidic. Um, it's perfect for moss to grow there. So we talked about aeration, we talked about pH, and we talked about things you can actually kill the moss with. But he was one of these guys where he he doesn't want one sprig of moss in his lawn. Yeah. And I've seen lawns that are actually nothing but moss, and they are absolutely beautiful. I've seen areas in lawns, mm-hmm. especially in the shade where it stays pretty shady, pretty moist, and it's up against some brick borders, yeah. and the moss looks great. Right. Hey, what is the pH of a brick, would you think? I don't think it'd be more alkaline. Because that's what's so bizarre, because I put moss on a uh, brick edging, and, and so it's not acidic, but it loved it. Well, yeah. but the thing, the bricks are porous. It holds that moisture, and a lot mm-hmm. of times, there again, it's in more shade. So you got the shade, you got the moisture, and if you have moss growing around there, you're going to get spores on that moist brick. Mm-hmm. That, that yeah. moss, moss will grow all over limestone rock. Yeah. Yeah, but, and, but it's like so bizarre because it, if it's in a lawn and your lawn's real acidic— then it's conducive to grow moss. It is. Yeah. But, but, you know, in, in all the ones that I have checked, and I have been to many, many, many yards, <laughs> it's um, all, it's 95% of the time it's compaction. Yeah. You know, and, it's, and we it's, talked about and that. And like you just said, the yeah. bricks are real right. porous. Right. Yeah. When water runs across it, that will compact your soil. If it's heavily shaded, you get heavy raindrops yep. basically that's what yeah that, you know yeah you ever stand True. under a tree you get Bam. you know it's not like standing out in the rain you <laughs> right. get these big cold yes. heavy drops and right when you're talking about eyes. billions of those hitting your soil yeah. it packs that soil every down time you, right every time you mow your grass you're com- you're compacting yeah. your soil it's right. amazing the uh psi per square inch of a raindrop the, um, how how much, oh, how much impacts the soil? Yeah, and yeah, it, yeah. The impact is huge, you mm-hmm. know, because uh, you know it's falling from a pretty good distance. Did I use PSI properly? I don't think I. I'm did. not sure, but you know, we I knew was what trying you were to be, about. you know, but the force, like you said, <laughs> of, of water. I mean, who would have ever right. thought that? But but those are things that, you know, you have to look at other than just killing the moss. Right. Is my mm-hmm. point. Go beyond that. And, and and I guarantee you that soil is usually compact, like Jim just said. You know, get that aerator out there and run that thing over it as many times as you possibly can. And your grass is just not going to perform well if your pH isn't up around 6.5. Exactly. Yeah. So, know, so, But we had that long discussion about moss control. And, and, and he got, he you know, other than, because all he was doing was putting lime down. He yeah. thought, you know, if I raise this pH, my moss is going to go away. Mm-hmm. And he's been fighting it for the last two years. And I said, no. That's, yeah. that's part of the equation, but that's not the whole equation. Well, I'm sure he felt so grateful to be able to leave with some different advice. I hope so. Than the, than the uh, same, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, back when I was first learning all of this, and then a lot of us, too, because with science and everything, we're learning more detail in it. But it was, well, your soil is going to be acidic if water runs across it. 
But that's all I knew. But now there's more depth to why it makes your soil acidic when water runs across it. Well, you mean we just rain water or just yeah, water? Yeah, just rain constantly, water. you know, draining yeah. like a little area. But it adjusts the pH. It yeah. changes the pH. I mean, like we say, rainwater is, has a pH of about 5.6. Oh, you know. That's crazy. And there's some, yeah. where, depending on where you live, right, you know, no, there's that, acid rain that's got well, you know, really acidic rain. Yeah, in pure good air. Yeah. Okay, if you've got, <laughs> where? Then, you know, if you live somewhere like that, then you're, you're, you're going to have a pH of about 5.6. And then if it's you got smog or other stuff, mm-hmm. it can be way down there. Yeah. yeah. So. And then, you know, so, but my point also is, like, there again, I've seen some beautiful homes with beautiful yards uh, that are usually more shaded, lots of trees in there, mm-hmm. uh, with with this nothing but moss. Um, and if that is the case, the biggest thing to take away from that is keep it watered in the summertime. Uh, keep any debris off of moss. You can't let leaves pile up on it and expect to have beautiful moss when you get the leaves off. Uh, any sticks, leaves, any kind of debris, keep that thing as clean as you can. You typically are not going to go out there and lime your yard if you're incorpor- you know, if you're trying to get moss to grow. Uh, and then, of course, there's always the old moss milkshake that you know people used to yeah. scoop the moss up, put it in a blender, add some buttermilk or beer or both. Mm-hmm. They remember that, add yes. water, and then blend it up and get this slur, Jim. Uh-huh. I'm sure you've seen it before. And they'll take this slur and paint their... their- Terracotta or whatever, pots, yeah. and then the next thing you know, you have moss growing on it. I've never tried that. Uh, I guess it works. Yeah. Oh, I've seen. Uh, I've never done it myself, but I've read about it, heard about it all my life. And then you have you worked so hard on curing your pots to make them look nice and green and yeah. some mossy color, and then someone comes in and goes, "Ew, those pots are dirty. <laughs> I don't slimy. want those." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're like, got you. I go. They cost I spent twice two as years much to get them yeah. like that. Right. You know. Yeah, but, but uh, know, the old moss milkshake, or I remember that one also. It's maybe it's a smoothie now. <laughs> well, it could be. And you could probably drink it, you I bet. Probably could. You probably could. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I mean, what's it going to do? You just put nature back. No, it just kill you. Yeah, that's all. Well, shoot, all the other things we do yeah. and we're still walking around. Yeah, really. We'll <laughs> be all right, fine. We'll There's be another back. whole hour of this, yeah. folks. Yeah. I'm so sorry. <laughs> The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning and welcome back to our third hour of Mid-South Gardening. We have such a great time together up here, even though... Um, even though? Even though... <laughs> Yeah, is that what she what was going to say? Saying. I she's was looking trying at to figure out how to say what I was meaning. Well, well he's sitting right yeah, here. If you could see her eyes, you'd understand Ooh. what she's trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> but good morning to you, Miss Vade and, and Mr. Jim. I missed y'all the last uh, two or three weekends. You know, well, uh, it was what Christmas weekend and then New, New Year's, Year's we weren't here. And then last weekend. You'll you know, never believe what just hit me. Spring fever. I love it. It just Can't all wait. of a sudden hit me. Spring fever. 
Well, we've had some good topics this to go. morning, though. Well, yeah, we're not there yet. We got a chance of ice and snow this afternoon, Nate, okay? Hey, do you have your seeds in yet? Have y'all got your not, seeds? Uh, we've got seeds that we've got mm-hmm. on the wall, uh, and we're getting some seeds in, it seems like, every other day. Um, mm-hmm. But, yes, we've got some herbs and vegetables yeah. and flowers. And it, there again, I say this all mm-hmm. the time. People come in this time of year, and they're just standing there looking at the seeds. And they're not thinking about putting the seed in the ground. They're mm-hmm. already thinking about plucking that tomato off yeah. the vine. I mean, it's, it's you can just see it, Veda, daydreaming. Well, I don't have my seeds in yet, but the, the space that we put the seeds... Yeah. I've seen a couple people just standing there staring yeah, at like, the space. Just, when are your seeds I want a daydream, be you know? Here? Yeah. I'm like, one more week, one more it's week. A, yeah, but we do have some. We've already sold a good bit of seeds. But it's probably still early to start, like tomatoes and, oh, yeah. and all that. Yeah, it's real early. It so. is. Y'all, and, and, and point to this is I was talking to a young lady yesterday. They just bought a new house to them mm-hmm. in Midtown. And adjoining the house was a greenhouse, Okay. So she is so excited about starting plants uh, from seed uh, in the greenhouse. Now I said, hang on, is this greenhouse heated? And she mm-hmm. went, well, no. I was like, well, <laughs> we got a problem, yeah. okay? Uh, I said, your greenhouse could be, you know, okay to maybe store some stuff in, overwinter some mm-hmm. stuff in. But I said, as far as you starting seed, just because you have a greenhouse— and that thing is not heated, you're going to have a, you know, you need moisture and you need heat for most of these seeds to germinate, okay? So we talked for quite a while about Mm -hmm. that, but she was just so excited that she finally has the opportunity to potentially start a lot of things from seed, you know? You know, but you can... Get some really nice little greenhouse heaters for under a hundred bucks now. No doubt, that and that's fantastic. exactly what I told yeah. her, Jim. Yeah. yeah. And then you might need even even need a fan, maybe to circulate, there, to the, circulate air. the air. Yeah, if it's yeah. a big one. Yeah, but you know, I, I got one that's uh, it's it has a fan. It has a thermostat on it, so mm-hmm. it, you know it comes on when it's whatever temperature I see. Set that's it. perfect. Yeah, and uh, it, and it's great. You that's know, perfect. You know, that's why the, the plant room is warmer than any place in the yeah. house. And, and the plant room is your carport yeah, that you turned into a plant garage, room. Yes. Yeah, but you mm-hmm. knew that you had to have some kind of a heat source out there, though. Yeah, and, well, and that's where my parrot's out there, too. So I don't, you know, he... He would let you know. He actually talks. He, yes, he does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they I do, heard, don't I think they? I heard him cussing the other day. So, Beta, <laughs> you're talking about, you know, <sighs> spring fever. Mm-hmm. Uh, this young lady was catching some of that yesterday yeah. because i mean she's just so excited that there's a greenhouse adjoining the house but yeah i mean she's gonna have to put some heat out there but she was um wanting to start a lot of things from seed she was really wanting to do as much stuff as she possibly could organically mm-hmm. uh for you know whatever reason which is fine and um you know we were talking about it now and typically when people start starting seed indoors whether it's in a greenhouse environment or inside the house I told her the frost date around here is usually around April 15th, right? Yep. Usually that's when we get our last frost. And we usually start seeds, different types of seeds, about six weeks before then, okay? Well, first of March. Yeah, so, yeah. but For you don't want to... and peppers. Yeah. Right, but you mm-hmm. don't want to start seed now. Yeah. You know, and she was ready to ready go ahead to and get it. these things mm-hmm. and let's get them started. I said, hold your horses for a second because you can get them to germinate 
And then what are you going to do with them? They got to yeah. stay in this environment, in your greenhouse in this case. They're going to get leggy. They're going to start stretching. Yeah. And you're going to have these long, leggy things that you go plant in mid-April. I said it's too soon to start well, this stuff. she went to maybe some hydroponics and the proper lighting yeah. and all. And in two weeks, you know, she could start her coal crops. And know. we talked mm-hmm. about that too, Jim. You like know, the spinach and, and, and we cabbage. We definitely talked about that, yes. Yeah, you know, have those ready to put in by the 1st of March. And that's so. exactly mm-hmm. what she's going to do. She's going to do some of the leafy stuff, the lettuce and the kale, yeah. the broccoli, those kind of things that are cool weather plants. But but as far as the squash and the peppers and the tomatoes that we were initially were talking about, I said, don't do that just yet. So, you know, and, you know, really, even if you have a greenhouse, you give some thought to to that if you buy a package of seed you get a lot of seed in there how much space do you have and it's not a big greenhouse yeah. but how much space do you have in your garden yeah you know do you need 50 of each variety of tomatoes? <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know so it sometimes it's cheaper just to go buy one or two tomato plants or peppers uh, if you want half a dozen different varieties. Uh, that's the way I would do it, Jim. But yeah. a lot of people still like planting yeah, it from seed. You know, i got some stuff I've got planted from seed. But it's still the cost of your soil, your flats and trays, inserts, whatever you're using. You know, if, if money's not an issue, then go play with it, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> but if, if you just, you may not need as many plants as you're wanting to grow. Yeah, yeah, because you do have to plant a couple of seeds, you know, one that because one may die, two may die, but then you'll have one good one. So don't but you don't need to plant 50. You no. know, you're trying to get that one. And then I, it's really hard to pluck out the ones that don't need to be there. You know, I think I told you. That <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. Car- that. Cartoon I used to have, Dennis and Menace, you know, yeah. and, and the neighbor guys planting money. One for, for the birds, one for Dennis, one for me. <laughs> one for the birds, one for Dennis, one for me. <laughs> Good yeah. old Dennis the Menace. But, uh, but those things, I mean, you know, it won't be long. Spring will be here. Um, but it, it really is, and you can see it in their eyes every year, this time of year, uh, we are thinking about warmer weather, uh, you know, shorts, barefooted out there in the garden. But when they're standing there and just looking at this wall of seed, mm-hmm. they, they're, they're daydreaming the whole time. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I got my plant delights spring catalog yesterday. And so I spent hours last night perusing it, looking at all these really cool plants that he provides. It's so uh, overwhelming. It really so is. Much. You know? I know I'm debating on uh, growing some of this stuff at the garden center myself because either I can't order that much of it to get it here or you can't even get it in the area. But let's just say if somebody does want to start some, some seeds themselves. Mm-hmm. Um the easy way, in my opinion, to do it is to buy, you know, the little mini greenhouses. It's a flat, it's a plastic flat, you know, the mm-hmm. same size flat that bedding plants come in. It's got the little inserts in, inside it, you know, the, yeah. little, the little compartments. And a lot of times it even has a little clear dome that you can mm-hmm. put on top. But you just put a good lightweight soil in there. In fact, there are seedling mixes that you can buy. Uh, put that in there. Uh, put your seed in there. Don't overdo the seed. You know, yeah. a lot of people want to put 10 seeds in one little compartment. It doesn't take that many. But just put some seed in there. Get it moist. Put the top on and keep it warm. And that's all that seed needs to germinate. That's it. Hey, you know, the uh, when you buy cakes 
And they've got the plastic bottom, and then they've got the plastic dome on top. Mm-hmm. There you go. There's yep. your little and mini look greenhouse. Look at you. Yes. You mm-hmm. can use the. You can make pots out of paper. Little egg cartons. Yeah, or do egg cartons. Anything to to put it, stand it up into your little mini Save greenhouse. Save your K cups. A lot of people use those. To put. Seed oh in. my gosh! Oh, see, never thought about that. Okay, Jim. so they don't drain. They do. Then you poked a hole in them when you made the coffee. Cause, oh, because it's got to go at the bottom. That's right. I'm trying to think. Wait, wait, wait. Where does that go through? Yeah. Man, I'm loving that. Let me say this. And I know we got that, Ron uh, on line one. And we'll get Ron because we got to go to a break. But I had a texter. Um, it said uh, from Jan, it says, Jim, Jamie wants the, to move in into your warm garage. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. Uh, he said where they live, uh, you can actually hang meat in the house. Okay. <laughs> well, that's why yeah, I have a I have a thermometer that sits beside my chair. And like on a typical day, it will be 65 degrees in the bird room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It will be 59 yeah, to 60 so you, in the den. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the other morning, it was 49 in the master bathroom. Mm-hmm. God. <laughs> so, well, <laughs> you know. I would never get up if it was like that. <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> and then it was uh, Florida weather in the garage. Yeah, that's where you Man. go to get warm. That's where he's got his plants and the birds. What's more important, That's Beta? what you could do. That's right. Put the sand in there, you know, have a little water garden in the garage. That's Your funny. Pl- I mean, you create a whole environment that so you don't get so bummed out in the wintertime. <laughs> yeah, I, I started, sh- when Carol went to the beach one time, I started to build a beach on the north side of the house mm-hmm. where I had my secret garden. I thought, I'm just going to spread sand out here. Yeah. I've got uh, like 100 pounds of shells that we've collected. I'm going to throw right. out here. He had the big uh-huh. umbrella, yeah, the whole bit, you know. Carol pretend like that. And I thought, what am I thinking? There are three cats next door. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. Whoops. Growing up, I tell grandmother, we're going to go play in the sand pile. And she'd say, watch out for the clumps. Yeah, Maybe yeah. you should clean it yeah, first. Get the little net and go through there first, okay? So I threw it out for good fertilizer. Oh, there you go. All right, like I said, I know we got to go to a break, and Ron's going to talk about Japanese boxwoods and hollies. That would be something interesting to talk yeah. about for sure. Yeah. And at some point, we still want to talk about uh, fungus gnats. Mm-hmm. You know, Veda, a lot of people that have houseplants, we'll yeah. talk about that. Uh, should we feed our pansies this time of year? That's, you know, some people do, some people don't. We'll talk about that. And once again, I want to tell you what's going on at the Dixie Gallery and Gardens on February the 18th. Oh, yeah. Sounds good. Okay, then we've got a lot to talk about, and we're going to go to a break. If y'all want to give us a call, 260-5926, or you can give us a question on uh, Facebook Live. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Garden. Glad we're here with you this morning. And we're going to go to Ron. Thank you for holding, Ron. You're in the Mid-South Garden. All right. Thank you. Uh, got a couple of questions uh, real quick. Sure. One's a Japanese boxwood. I've had it for 18 years. It trains my walk into my little zero lot line house. Yeah. Uh, Homeowner Association says I've got to cut it back or take it out. It's too big. Wow. Oh. So it's three foot high. Three foot high, and it's too big. Four foot wide Mm -hmm. and about ten foot long, framing the side, the wall. So I I don't think you can trim those, can you? Because it's so thick you can't even see through it, but it's it's Mm -hmm. trimmed. And I didn't know how far you could shave it or the leaves might come back out in the spring. Right. 
Well, you don't ever want to cut it down to no wood, I mean, to no green. It takes a while to grow back out of that. But you can definitely trim them back. I mean, I have trimmed and it looks like I've butchered boxwoods and they just come right back out. Um, since they're really... Oh, excuse ahead. me, you sure this is a boxwood and not a Japanese holly? Well, no, I have a, one question about a holly tree with those red berries on it. Mm-hmm. Okay. But well, well a, lot of peop- a lot of people mistake Japanese hollies for boxwood. They look mm-hmm. as almost identical. But... Oh, this uh, one has a small, small green leaves. It's and it's uh, just thick. Like, Light uh, green or dark green? Dark green. It's a Japanese holly, probably. Probably compacta, oh, something like Japanese. that, Jim? Yeah, probably a compacta or, or one of those. Uh, if it's 20 years old, I mean, it could be rotundifolia. And the stems are a little different, too. Yeah. You can check the stems out. But if it's a Japanese holly... Yeah, you can cut <laughs> it back pretty hard. Yeah, you want to do it about mid-March. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, and you could... Don't like she said. Don't take all the green off of it. Leave some leaves down at the bottom, and then once it resprouts, you can go back and trim some more if you need to. Um, but 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 Ron, you got everything to gain and nothing to lose. They want you to dig the things up, which hopefully you're not going to have to do that. I mean, cut them back. Um, you know, and typically we tell people no more than one third at one time. Mm-hmm. You know, but you can, like I said, like Jim and Veda said, if they're hollies. Um, you can cut them things back pretty darn severely. Uh, wait till about mid-March, like Jim said, and usually they'll flush right back out in the spring. Uh, uh, the way they want me to cut it back, I don't think there'll be any leaves left. But they'll you still know, recover. Yeah. Well, but there again, in my opinion, you still have everything to gain and nothing mm-hmm. to lose. I mean, I'd do that before I went out there and dug them up and threw them away, you know? Right. Yeah. Okay, wow. and then uh, the... the, the Holly trees that's uh, got the red berries on it. Yeah. Um, when's a good time just to just to trim up some of the lower limbs? You know. Oh, if you're taking lower limbs off completely now. Anytime. Yeah, anytime. anytime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, I'll ask you one real quick thing, and I'm done. Sure. Uh, the uh, zoysia grass. What's the best fertilizer for that? Some say triple thirteen. And no, say never. No. <laughs> yeah, well, we can all three agree not triple thirteen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, most people, Ron, they'll use a uh, what they call a non-burning, slow-release type lawn food. Most of your lawn, yeah, most of your lawn foods are like a twenty zero eight or a twenty four zero ten. You know, usually high in nitrogen, no phosphate whatsoever. The middle number. And a little bit of potassium. And they'll use that about every six weeks through the growing season, okay? Okay. Or you'll use something completely organic. Yeah. And with zoysia, it's not as heavy a feeder as Bermuda grass. Right. So you can actually use it at half the label rate and get an excellent growth, but it's not going to grow so fast that you're cutting back into into stems the next next week. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Okay. All right. Well... Thank you, Ron, for the call. Thank you. Good questions. Thanks, Ron. Good questions. That's great. Yeah, if you're going to do organic, then there's the plant tone. Yeah. Uh, Biospoma. Yeah, the milorganite. The lawn foods, Biospoma, Beta. They're all really great organic uh, fertilizers. The humic acid um, soil conditioner. Mm -hmm. Soil activator. Soil activator. Every time. That, I mean, 
boy, I would at least put that down one time a year. At least once a year. Yeah, it's a good it product. it puts all that carbon, the humates. But, back but into most the of your lawn foods that you buy are like a, you know, usually a 20% nitrogen, yeah, that first a, number. Normally it's about a 7 1 1 ratio. That's kind of ideal for, for grasses. Now, it doesn't have to be exactly that. Mm-hmm. But that's pretty close. But you're saying, Jim, that zoysia is not that heavy, heavy feeder like Bermuda right. is. It takes though. about half as much nitrogen per thousand square feet to get the same mm-hmm. results. Fescue only actually takes about a quarter uh, as much. Um, of course, you know, I, we always like to sell fertilizer. So. Now, right. In, <laughs> but, yeah, but that's in, the thing. But in Ron's case, though, he's got to cut this holly bag. The, uh, the Homeowners Association has already told him, you know, these have gotten too big. Uh, either you got to dig them up or you're going to have to prune them. Well, my, my, I've always said you've got everything to gain and nothing to lose by getting in there. Cut those things back. Absolutely. You know, as far as you think you need to. If they flush back out in the spring, great. Mm-hmm. You if know, they don't leave them and let the homeowners association look at them for a right. while. <laughs> and say, see right. which one did you like better? <laughs> well, you know, we install uh, fountains. You know, we sell fountains and then go install them. Okay, so we went out to this neighborhood. The, la- the lady had come in, picked out a nice-looking fountain. We uh, started installing the fountain. There was a person on the street watching, which was uh, the lead of the homeowner situation. Oh, the lady they were was like, checking you out. Yeah, yeah. she was like, oh, they're going to enjoy my fountain. So we got it set up and everything running beautifully. Yeah, so this was guy, this. This is not just a little one bowl fountain. No, this no, is probably so like three a five tier, tier yeah. three tier, right? And so, right when the guys get pulled in, she calls, and I'm thinking, Mm-mm. you know, I know that I, my crew's <clears throat> great. I know they just didn't do anything wrong. And right. she goes, "My homeowners association just said this fountain's too big. They sat there and watched y'all put it in." And soon as y'all left, they came and told me that I can't have this fountain in my front yard. No way. So we had to go back. <clears throat> she had to pick up another, pick out another I mean, fountain. So they, they, I mean, so they had to change yeah. the fountain. Yeah, we had to go back and get it and all of that. And I was like, you know, she had to pay more because we had to do it twice. Why didn't they say so in the first place? So my thing is, if I guess if you're going to do anything, you just got to check with the homeowner association because I can't see how a fountain would be an you issue. You better. I mean, I mean, they're there to preserve the integrity yeah, of the like neighborhood. That. You know, that's in that. theory. Yeah, yeah. you're right. And, and no one is against that. You're right. Yeah. But depending on who's the head of the HOA, uh, <laughs> as Jim says, you know, sometimes there's Nazis out there, and I say that in a nice way. Um, it's It can be a little much, you know. Yeah, I still can't imagine how. But anyway, so um, I guess, yeah, you better check. Of course, like you need to get building permits and all that. So there are rules, and we appreciate it. But man could have told us before. Yeah. (laughs) And let me say this real quick, and I'll get off the fertilizer. Uh, The gentleman was talking about fertilizer for zoysia. Uh, Usually, Jim, like a 711 or something similar to that. But typically, you wait till you start seeing a little bit of green up in the spring. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to mm-hmm. go out there and do it now. You're just wasting every bit of fertilizer you put down. But the beauty of most of these lawn foods that you buy now over, say, something like triple 13, because the nitrogen in triple 13, every bit of it is very, very quick release. You put it out, you water it in, and about in two four weeks, days, yeah, it's gone, gone. Jim. <laughs> that's right. Where when you buy these uh, these quality lawn foods, even though they got 24% nitrogen, typically speaking, usually twice as much as, say, as triple 13, mm-hmm. most of that nitrogen in there is a slow release. It's a coated nitrogen. Only a very small amount of that nitrogen is quick release, okay? 
so it lasts a lot longer. You still get the quick green up because of the little bit of quick release that's in there. Overall, they're so much better than just a commercial grade yeah. fertilizer. Oh, yeah. And you get sulfur and iron and all the micronutrients that are so important for good color and yeah. grass. And Triple 13, Triple 13 is great for your garden, your vegetable mm-hmm. garden, for agricultural use. It's fine because you're, you're going to grow it. It's going to die. You're going to grow it again next year. But if you're growing long-term stuff, you want to get a, you know, whether it's azaleas or flower beds or whatever, get a good quality fertilizer. Yeah, and that's a big no-no, too, using something like triple 13 around azaleas. And we see that, ooh, you can burn them up in a heartbeat. Or how about the lawns that, I mean, my dad used to do this, straight urea on the uh, Bermuda. Yes, I love that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Don't you love that? Put, it, put enough ammonia nitrate on it that would burn everything. Yeah. But the Bermuda grass would eventually yeah. green back up. Right. I'm telling you, those <laughs> were the days, Jim. Yeah. But see, that would be the problem, you know, back in the day, like you said, whenever that was. You put a lot of urea on there, and it grows real fast, and then you mow, and then it's brown. Oh, That's yeah. And I constantly have to mow mine because I use urea, so I'm always behind the eight ball. But why do I keep doing those crazy things? I don't know. Habit. All right, we'll be back. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Um, you know, I'm thinking along the lines of planting biodiversity. If everybody did that, planted in some biodiversity where it's just not a, a, all of a holly yard or a boxwood yard, I really believe that it would spread your varmints out. So maybe this house doesn't have 10 squirrels, but if everybody did biodiversity, then you can get two squirrels per house. Well, well you know, I have the reason I have so few insect issues and disease issues mm-hmm. is because I have such a, a diverse garden. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just not enough plants to support um the same takeover. Well, you're right. And yeah. that's and that's what we always say. If you've got 30 plants out there lined up against that fence and they're all the same plant, if that plant is susceptible to insects, a particular insect or a particular disease, if it gets on one, it's going to get on all 30. Mm. You know, it's like 97% of the insects are uh, not bad or they're innocuous. So it's the three that just take mm-hmm. 3% that just wear you out. But if you have a diversity, then you've got all different kinds of beneficials that can hopefully overrule. Yeah, and I was reading, and Grant, hang on just a second on line one, but I was reading, you know, a, a lot of times, you know, is scorched earth theory, right? Yeah. If you see uh, one bug on your azalea, you're ready to spray the whole landscape down (laughs) with a product that's going to kill every insect that's out there. And we so used to do that. And yeah, and and, and not really good all day. And not (laughs) (laughs) listen to Jim. Yes, you are killing the that one bug that you Uh saw, but you're also killing every beneficial insect that's in your landscape. Mm -hmm. So you know, there's a catch twenty two to all this. There are uh, so many more insecticides on the market now that are more targeted to a particular pest. In fact, there a lot of them are made to where they are much more benign to beneficial insects. So, yeah. you know, we need to kind of get away from the whole scorched earth theory where we mm-hmm. kill everything. You don't want even want birds flying over your house, okay? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're staying away. Everything is staying away. 
And that's not always the best way to do it. Uh, you know, I don't. Let's go to him and okay. we'll talk about it when we get back. Yeah. All right, Grant. Good morning and welcome to Mid South Garden. What's going on in your Hi, yard? Good. Hey, Grant. I just had a question. I'm always curious. I got a magazine called Acres USA. Oh, have, I love that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have some cool ads in there, and I saw one for. Um, it's called C90. I think it was in ed, the uh, edition for this month. It sounds like an C, explosive. Like 90. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's a. It's tr- it says it's got. It's a salt that has 90 trace minerals, and it's from like the Baja California. Right. sand or, or whatever comes into the, the ocean water that swept into the sand there right. and dried up and is, i just just curious to know what you thought i'm always interested in little additives you can give plants give them extra performance or <coughs> right some sort of improvement <laughs> for their health what what are y'all's thoughts on that product something like that well the first thing i would wonder is you know what plants are growing in that naturally if your plants don't naturally grow in that then you have to ask yourself how much benefit it's actually going to give. Right. Not that it's going to hurt it, Jim, but you how know, much is it going to help it? Right. If you look at people like Tony Avant, who who owns Plant Delights Nursery over in the Carolinas, and he is uh, he, he's one of the great plant explorers and has introduced thousands and thousands of new plants into the industry. He fertilizes with nothing. Hmm. Hmm. Once he plants, he waters it in, and that's all he does. Um, you know, his soil is good. They've prepared the soil properly when they're growing things, but they don't, he does zero fertilizing and everything does quite well for him. You know, plants feed themselves. They make their own food. We give them things that helped, um, speed them up and build cell walls and that sort of thing, but they actually will grow without our help. And so, yeah, because all the compost and things that we're adding has trace minerals, and that's not technically called feeding your plants. That's right. Yeah, you're just amending your soil and putting it there for the plant to absorb when needed. So technically, he doesn't have to fertilize. Well, but but yeah. most of the and Grant, most of the two things, most of the fertilizers that you buy now have trace elements in it. Yeah. You know, good ones do. Um, and you know, do you need to go out and? Well, there's a product that we even sell called Azomite. Okay, mm-hmm. uh-huh. azomite comes in a box. It's a powdered product, and it is trace elements. Is really all it is, uh, and you can always add something like azomite, you know, to your plants uh, as a supplemental um, application. But you know, whether something like C ninety that is a, uh, a you know a mineral that's left over from high water from the ocean, I don't think it's ever going to hurt anything yeah. at all. But is it something that we really need, like Jim was talking about? Probably not, you know? Probably not. Yeah. 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 No, no. That's a good, good answer. Yeah. yeah. But I just didn't know if, if, there, if, if, if it's difficult to get trace minerals in, into, you know, like, is that something that's rare? or is No, that no. Really? Not used now. To be. Yeah, it used to be. Yeah. Exactly. And we used yeah. to have to use something called, what was it, MAG-40 or something yeah. mm-hmm. that was a supplemental um, mineral to whenever we potted anything basically uh that we were going to grow n- numbers of but you know now pretty much all the fertilizers have those micronutrients right. and they have them in the right amount right yeah because i started yeah. with it using organics because of the micronutrients but now a lot of the other uh, synthetic fertilizers are evolving to have right. the micronutrients mm-hmm. too so mm-hmm. mostly Very now yeah, yeah yeah so you're right on it though that they do need that and that is a good product but you know yeah. you might not need it right now yeah right 
Well, thank you very much. Hey, okay. thanks for calling. Thanks, Grant. Thank Appreciate the call, buddy. Yeah, that's one of the uh, magazines that regenerative. See, that's the word. Regenerative. Yeah, but but let me say this. Regenerative. No, you're saying regenerate. Regenerative. Okay. Maybe that. I can't say the word. Oh, let me find it. But anyway, it's uh, Garden Acres is um, a natural magazine, and it's up to date on the newest things that are going on in the biodiversity, organic, probably even synthetic, too. Well, and like y'all said a while ago, you know, most fertilizers are macronutrient mm-hmm. embedded. You know, I mean, it's your nitrogen, your phosphate, your potassium, okay? Yeah. But there are a lot of minor elements, uh, including minerals like Grant was talking about, that mm-hmm. plants have to have. Mm-hmm. Usually you, they get it from uh, photosynthesis, from the sun, from the soil, uh, even l- sometimes from water. They get a lot from leaves. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But let's just say, you know, if, if we all know what an iron deficiency looks like. You know, where the leaf turns yellow, but the veins in the leaf are still green, okay? Mm-hmm. And we see that from time to time. So people go out there and they'll add iron. Uh, a magnesium deficiency can be similar to that, where the leaf is turning yellow, maybe some purple edges on the leaf, mm-hmm. whatever. So you add Epsom salts, which is magnesium. Right. But if you look, there again, most of these fertilizers that we're buying now, mm-hmm. you're going to see iron in there. You're going to see sulfur. You're going to see magnesium, manganese, yeah, boron. Right. You're going to see all that stuff in there. Right. Yeah, and I remember that at one time you had to learn the look of what does it look like with the magnesium deficiency? What does it look like with this deficiency? So when I found out uh, the natural fertilizers had all those micronutrients right. in it, then I quit I quit knowing as much. You didn't have to know. I didn't, <laughs> you <laughs> could just know? apply that and, and cover all the yeah, bases. Right, right. And so the, but I like knowing a but lot. But that's a great <laughs> question from Grant, though. I mean, a lot of people. But, but there again, this product called Azomite, uh, you know, we sell that product every year. And for people that, uh, if they know that they have a deficiency in minerals, uh, they'll just apply this azomite because it's got minerals from yeah. basically A to Z in there, you know? You still sell green sand? I was going to ask We do. That. Green sand is a silica, um, which is high in potassium. Well, a little when bit I, of iron. When yeah. I say high in potassium, <laughs> it's not like murate a potash, yeah. you know, <laughs> but it's an organic sand, green sand, that's mined from the ocean, kind of like what Grant was talking about. Uh, and it is it is a mineral, uh, but is a it's it's also a soil conditioner, if you will. Right. But, uh, you know, well, all yeah. those products are good. They are. When I was starting to learn this, I was learning from the Dirt Doctor, which is in Texas, and then uh, Jay Mertz from Rabbit Hill Farms. Mm-hmm. They, these were like the beginnings of the organic stuff, and they were teaching me all about it. But at that time, you would buy a bag of lava sand, a bag of green sand, a bag of soft rock phosphate, right. and right. you know separate bags. And then then Jay Mertz started blending them all together, where you makes could it buy easy. It. And the funny thing was, is it was like nobody wanted to buy the organic product because the labeling, it wasn't a pretty bag. Mm-hmm. Back at the time, it was like a glad bag with the uh, Those were the good old days. Label. You could buy it pretty cheap. Yeah, with the label on it. And then Espoma came out, and their packaging's yeah. beautiful. And that's what women are drawn to, whether it's organic or, or but not. But it's still a great product. Yeah. Espoma products are great products. So now you don't have to do all that uh, thinking about. You Buying just these put separate it products. But there's still times that you do have to supplement with more of a, of one thing that you get in a complete fertilizer. Well, and then I like that, and I'll get off this, but I also like what Jim said. You know, what plants are growing there where you find this particular, you know, mm-hmm. product? 
Uh, it's kind of like, you know, in Hawaii, for example, where they've had volcanoes, you know, with lava flows and so forth. You'll eventually find plants that are growing in that environment. Yeah. Um, now, would that plant grow well here? Who knows? And but only if we fix the soil to equal exactly, yeah. you know. And then, like Jim's, Vaden, y'all both have said, you know, anything that's got the word Alpine or Alberta, mm-hmm. do they grow well around here? Yeah. Typically Colorado, not. Alaskan, you know, typically <laughs> not. Now, and that that has a lot to do with the soil also buildup that we have, but also you know the weather that we have. So, you know, it's if if you. There's nothing wrong with trying different things and trying to grow things here that don't grow here, quote. But it should be easier, a lot easier for us to grow things that are that do grow well around here. Let me put it that way. Well, see, Jim's a, a perfect example of that, actually, because a lot of people say things don't grow and then somebody tries it and finds that it really does. Yeah, and a lot of that has to do with the soil, not not mm-hmm. so much, you know, because you see all lots of plants that say they will you know, they'll grow from zone five to nine. <laughs> Well, you know, we fall into that category, yeah. right? But a lot of plants that l- like that won't grow in our heavy clay soil, right. and <laughs> even if you amend it well, it yeah. still yeah. won't grow in. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I've tried things like there's a, there's a little river orchid that grows in the mud, basically out in bare spots in the river in the mm-hmm. northwest and i thought you know i can duplicate that yeah and and it made it through last summer now let's see if it comes back this next spring because that is a secret mm. too sometimes you can make it fine a year but multiple years that's right you know we'll wait and see now when once it warms up if it comes back but, but if but if you duplicate the growing environment jim it should shouldn't mm-hmm. it well you would think so yeah. you know but <laughs> Let me tell you, have I told you how many uh, of the, the gunnera I have killed? Yeah, Experienced gardener. Yeah, there yeah. you go. You know? yeah. Oh, I know, because the other thing is, too, you can duplicate the soil, but we can't sometimes duplicate the uh, humidity yeah, that, exactly. we, that they don't want in the summertime. Mm. So there's there's plants that say it's our zone, but they don't tell you that they're going to wilt in humidity. Mm. Yeah, I mean, look at our fescue out. that we grow under the, sh- the trees where Bermuda and Zoysia won't grow because of the mm. shade. Fescue don't want to grow around here. It yeah. hates our environment, you know, but it will grow in the shade where the other ones won't grow. You drive up to St. Louis and some of those places, it's beautiful. Kansas City mm-hmm. out there in full sun, one of the prettiest grasses you'll ever see. Mm-hmm. But here in the Mid-South, not so much, you know. Well, it's definitely a, a growing challenge. And let me say this real quick also, y'all, uh, and I mentioned this earlier, February the 18th, at the Dixon Gallery and Gardens. Dale Skaggs, the Hort director there, gave me a call and said, Kenny, bring this up on the radio. Uh, they're going to talk about boxwood blight on February the 18th from 9 o'clock in the morning to 4 o'clock. It's an all-day event. they got experts there uh, that really know what they're talking about. It's absolutely free to the public. And they're talking about boxwood blight. But they're also talking about what was the um, the current challenge of boxwood blight and successful strategies for living with this disease? I mean, is that kind of saying that we're going to get this disease eventually, invariably? So yeah. we got to learn a way to yeah. live with it, yeah. you or, know, or to prevent yeah, it. We will. So we're going to get Asian longhorn beetles. Jim, yeah. don't say those kind of things. Well, we are. I mean, yeah. it's just going to happen. You know, we are a we're, we are, are a worldwide environment now. There's nothing that stop anything from crossing the oceans That's anymore. True. That's you know, true. it comes in in the wood and pallets or something. Uh, so yeah. there's you can't just, stop it. There's no way to stop it. So All right. Well, 
I love our conversations. But let's go to a break real quick. Give us a call, 260-5926. Good morning and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Um, You know that wild lettuce used to be called uh, poor man's opium. (laughs) Why is that? Because it gave you some of the same results, apparently. And this wild is a, lettuce? Yeah, the wild lettuce. Uh, you know, the tall, stalky one that's uh, got the... You'll yeah, have a bunch of people looking for that now. Uh, yeah, exactly. Right, what are you right? doing, Data? And they're saying, <laughs> you know, well, people put it in their salad. You'd probably, you know, like a poinsettia, you have to eat 500 to get poison from oh, it. You, know, you won't I'm sure get poison would, from 500. I'm not... How I'm, many does it take? A thousand? I don't even know. What, no. You know, they're poisonous, but... No, they're not. Poinsettias. Those are poinsettias. You know, I'm not into going out there and harvesting dandelions and Mm -hmm. pansies and all this stuff to put it in my salad. You know, if I've got a salad mix that my wife gets and then she adds all the stuff to it, Mm -hmm. I'm perfectly fine eating that as my salad. I I don't have to go out there and find anything pigweed that's growing Mm -hmm. out in the fields. A lot of people love pigweed salad. Eating kudzu, boiling it down. Mm -hmm. I don't have to do that. I don't need that kind of stuff. Right. So I don't worry about it. You know? I don't know. I don't worry about I'm, whether I'm it's... prepared. I'm becoming prepared for the future, and I'm learning about all well, the all things that can harvest naturally. Well, all Jim and I have to do is just move over there when the when end I is know. near, and you already know and all I've this stuff. I've got all the salads and everything, <laughs> and then we'll have some prickly lettuce for fun. And uh, <laughs> But, you know, it's just, it's like lettuce was probably a weed at one time. I mean, yeah. maybe not. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Everything that we eat was was found somewhere on Earth. That's true. And if they said, oh, I don't want to eat that, then we might not have apples. Makes you wonder about that first person that put it in their mouth. Yeah. I, well, it? that's the thing. You know, because how long tomatoes were around, they thought they were poisonous. Yeah, yeah. right, right. Yeah. Or they, and a Who lot was of the things, guinea pig there, Jim? Yeah. Yeah. Well, like the apples were, were not delicious, but they started hybridizing them to make them better. But at first, they were just... Not a good, they were more for making whiskey. We are living in a good time. Let me put it that yeah. way. Uh, one thing that I told you we were going to talk about really briefly were uh, the old-fashioned fungus gnats. And if you've ever had a problem with a fungus gnat, which is just a little bitty insect that flies around your house plants mm-hmm. and they get in your ears and your nose and your eyes, they're really just a nuisance more than anything. But I always tell people, if, if you have these little insects floating around, flying around, uh, around your houseplants, you're typically keeping your houseplants too wet. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, so it starts yeah. right there. But you can buy these little products, uh, the little uh, BT the, bits. bits. Yeah, mosquito bits. Yeah, which, the, is, yeah. Uh, which is just a little... <laughs> That's what bits mean. <laughs> People can't see me doing my fingers <laughs> like this. Uh, you just sprinkle these uh, granulated uh, product, this granulated product called mosquito bits, into uh, your soil. Water it in. <laughs> there you go with water again, mm, right? I know. Water it in. I'm and, so confused. Uh, and you'll kill the larva that's uh-huh. in the soil. Um, but I always tell people, do the mosquito bits completely safe to use, uh, mm-hmm. completely safe to use. Not going to hurt anything inside the house. But also, make sure you cut back on that water. We say this every time we open our mouths. 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 That, Is that um, an S or not an S? <laughs> yeah, that people are always overwatering their plants. So... Cut back on the moisture, um, you know, go back to the basics, use the BT bits, the mosquito bits, and you'll be perfectly fine. You'll finally get rid of those um, fungus gnats. Well, it's like we have a couple hundred, more than a couple hundred houseplants in our building, but we don't have gnats because we let everything go to a dry state. 
you know, except for maybe palms. They like a little more water. Uh, the money tree plant, they like a little more water. So, you know, you kind of got to adjust accordingly. But on a whole, everything stays dry, so we, we don't have the fungus gnats. And we also use a moisture meter, too, because there's so many people watering. You mean other than your finger? Yeah. The other moisture meter? Right, right. Because yeah. <laughs> everybody's got a different thought of what moisture is. And, and plus, you know, we're not on a watering schedule. You can't water every Tuesday. No, sure you the can. Rest, yeah, you can. <laughs> for the rest of your year, you just don't water every Tuesday. Now, just and, work. and real quick, I know we only got a couple of minutes. That and y'all have tons of houseplants also that y'all sell. Uh, what, you know, you you always read these. To me, they're conflicting uh, information about feeding houseplants. Mm-hmm. You know, especially houseplants that stay inside year-round. You never take them outside. It's still true, though, isn't it, that you don't have to feed them as much during the winter season as you do during the spring and summer right. season. Right, Jim? That's correct. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, everything has a dormant period. I mean, because even though they're still green, they're still growing, the mm-hmm. days are shorter. You don't have as much natural sunlight. You surely don't have the length of sunlight per hour per day. So you're not really trying to force these things, right, to right. grow more this time of year by excessive feeding. Yeah. And I, I amend the soil. Sometimes I'll put worm castings and all of that. But, you know, that can work uh, as time progresses. My aunt had fabulous garden, wonderful, wonderful garden. And it was just like what the gentleman said. They, she never fertilized. But she always right. used the, um, the compost nice and the cow manure and all that. Because I asked at the time, how do you grow without miracle Grow? <laughs> I mean, that's it's what really I easy. knew 30 years ago was it was all advertised. Miracle Grow. And she goes, just compost. Yeah. All right, Jim and Kenneth, I guess we're going to go on, but I'm sure I'll talk to you all and see you all this week. It's been fun, guys. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll see you next weekend in the Mid-South Garden.